comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever is Spider-Man. Is he strong? Listen, bud. He got the radioactive blood. Hey there! There goes the Spider-Man. Oh! Is he strong? Listen, bud. He got the radioactive blood. Can he swing? From a friend. Take a look over here. Hey there! There goes the Spider-Man. Now recording, and this is out now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is Abe in studio. We are together again Woo-hoo! in the same room. Other things to shout. <laughs> Loud noises. Uh, out now is a film podcast that Abe and I are discussing new movies weekly. We also bring in discussion about the latest movie trailers, box office results, and predictions. A callback to past films similar to the main film of the week, games, and other fun stuff. This is episode 64, and we are going to talk about The Amazing Spider-Man this week. And uh, joining us to discuss The Amazing Spider-Man, we have co-host for Legion of Dudes and The Walking Dead TV podcast, the man who is now Spider-Man No More, issue 50, Jordan from Jersey. Hey, guys. And we have the writer for Damn Dirty Blog, the one man who could cause maximum carnage around town, Jordan Grout. Hello, this is Jordan Grout. <laughs> That is Jordan Grout. Causing carnage around. Hello, carnage. Okay, so we're we're all here. It's a pleasure to be here. Good, great. <laughs> we're we're here. Abe and I are together. It's awesome. We're in the same room. It's gonna be pretty cool. Um, that's yeah. We have, <laughs> we have two Jordans. We have one Aaron. We have one Abe. We have two A's and two J's, making it and a JJ. And. Uh, New announcements. Uh, let's see. iTunes reviews and ratings. Always good to get those. Helps out the show. Log on to iTunes. Really simple to do. Give us a, you know, a star rating thing. Maybe if you want to, type a sentence. Everybody wins in this situation. It's a nice thing to do. Awesome. Let's see. Um, oh, yeah. I have. To, we got some emails and questions and stuff. Let me pull those up right now, actually. Wait, wait, wait. Do we have a jingle for this? We, you, you, want to, you want to create a jingle for this? Here's the mail, it never fails, it makes me want to wag my tail. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Jingle in. Okay, here we go. This one, this one I believe is from, yeah, this is from James Conner. Twitter question. Does the need to retain rights to a character guarantee to eventually oversaturate market or can turn it into a sustainable long-term franchise, e.g. Bond? It all depends on the script. Yeah, I basically agree with that. I mean, it's, it's as long as... As long as it's, you know, a good entry in the... Fr- I mean, if, well, yeah, let's see. If you... I mean, I don't feel oversaturated by Spider-Man, per se. There's, like, four Spider-Man movies, but... It, yeah, I mean, I, I don't necessarily think that it oversaturates it. I mean, I think that the, the timing was just a little bit weird, but that was just because they were going to... They need to renew the license. But it's just... I don't think it necessarily would oversaturate. I think people have... They still remember the, the Raimi stuff, but at the same time, you know, it's been a while since uh, you remembered... A, really good spider-man i guess so. that's i mean that and that's just spider-man i mean other like um like the, fan, the fast and the furious franchise i mean that movie the last movie is arguably the best of that franchise and it, i don't feel oversaturated but fast, I want, i'm looking forward to seeing more installments of the fast and furious franchise. fast six fast six 
<laughs> fix. <laughs> fix Furious. I mean, as long as we get a Scream movie every uh, five years. Scream movie? We get... <laughs> I know Abe would want um, I'd love that. Yeah. All right, we got, we, got a, we got kind of a thing from Mike Blakemore, who uh, who didn't win our contest last week, but he did put in a thing about his favorite, uh, his favorite um, uh, Pixar characters. I'm just going to read it. He'd, say, he'd have to say Woody. Tom Hanks really brings that character to life. Another reason is that I bought a Woody doll for my nephew, and it was his favorite toy for years. Woody would say, there's a snake in my boot, and my nephew would always check his shoes, getting excited for both Spider-Man and Batman episodes. Looking forward to your review on both films. Loyal listener, Mike Blakemore. Thanks, Mike. And yeah, as I said, past winners couldn't win the Pixar contest, but thanks for, you know, putting in your two thoughts. Always yeah. welcome. And a uh, winner of the Pixar contest, Kyle Ross, he just seems really excited about the fact that he won. Yes. Because, like, he, he's several expletives in his email responding to the fact that I that he won, and that's just that's funny. His headline is great, or I mean, his, like, his uh, yeah. message line is great. And But I can assure people that listen to the show, it's not hard to win these contests. All you have to do is just email in when we say you have a pretty good chance. I think you basically have like a 33% chance of winning. Yeah, it's like three people, you know, you're, you're one of the three. Yeah. Get back to other announcements. What else do I have here? We got, um, oh, um, I'm going to be in Comic-Con next week. And, uh, awesome. yeah, I'll be there. And I think, I believe friend of the show, Alan Aguilera is going to be there. And, you know, <laughs> if you happen to recognize my voice, I guess, <laughs> like you're at Comic-Con also, say hi. You know, I don't care. I don't care. Or just pull up the Facebook page with, with uh, yeah, I'll probably be constantly tweeting it. Yeah. You'll, you'll probably be able to find me in like two seconds flat. It'd be pretty yeah. simple. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'll be out there, and uh, Alan and I might, if we, you know, if we get a chance, we meet each meet up with each other. We'll probably like record some like, little little tidbits or something. We'll see. We'll put it into one of the shows. Find out. And uh, let's see what else. Um, oh, um, let's see. We might be doing spoilers for Spider-Man at the end of this. Not sure yet. I'll get. We'll, I'll talk about that later. We might have a special, like, Savages mini-review in there later we on. We might, so, yeah. Maybe yeah. and I are going to go see Savages today, so maybe we'll put that in with some, some reactions after we see the film. Um, also, okay, so here we go. It's halfway through the year, guys. About halfway through, and we have, um, I had a question for everyone. Favorite films of the year so far? And uh, so, you know, what's everyone's, like, top three, top five favorite films of the year so far, just to kind of get that out there. So let's start with uh, Jordan from Jersey. Oh, let's see here. Top three, I'd have to go uh, Avengers number one, uh, probably Cabin in the Woods number two. And then for three, I, I haven't seen a lot of films this year, but I'd probably go with The Amazing Spider-Man. Cool. Jordan Graff? Uh Number one, I would say The Grey. Uh, number two, I would say as well Cabin in the Woods. And uh, <laughs> number three, I'd say 21 Jump Street. I love that movie. It's a funny movie. Cool. Yeah. But I have not seen Beasts of the Southern Wild, and everyone says that is the best movie. You've not seen Beasts of Southern It may change the next it's week. A, it's, it's, we're we're going to be talking about that next week on the, the show. Okay. We're going to talk about that next week on the show, so we'll we'll, we'll see what everybody thinks of Abe, what, yeah. what are your top three so far? Uh, i got to echo Jordan with The the Grey, and then I had The Avengers, and also Moonrise Kingdom. I enjoyed that film a lot. I, I so want to see that movie. Either. I haven't gotten around yeah, to it Yeah, it's one to check out. I mean, especially if you like the Wes Anderson is his past flick. Um, you know, it's it's got his touch in every scene. Yeah, the thing about Moonrise Kingdom is, like, I think it's, for Wes Anderson fans, you're going to love this movie. And for none of Wes Anderson fans, you might actually love this movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, think I, agree, I think that's yeah. the best thing you can say about Moonrise Kingdom. My, uh, my, five, my uh, favorite films of the year so far, I got, like, I got five of them. Um, I have The, the Grey, uh, Cabin in the Woods, The Red Redemption, I love. 
Um, Seeking a Friend for the End of the World, I also really enjoy quite a bit. And then Moonrise King. All right, let's get to know everybody. We each week we ask each other a few questions and try to set the tone for the podcast so we can better get to know everybody. So, let's start with Abe. All right, let's go with Jordan from Jersey. We've had Stephen and now we've had Andrew Garfield. What other actor uh, do you think would make a good Peter Parker? I have an answer for this, by the way. <laughs> Ooh, that's a that's a good question. As an older Peter Parker. I think Jim from The Office might actually work pretty well. Huh. Whose name is escaping me at the moment because I'm terrible with names. But John Krasinski. Yeah. John Krasinski. Yeah, I think he could work as an older Peter Parker. Okay. He's goofy. He's got the hair. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'd certainly be curious now after having seen the new Spider-Man and Toby Maguire's Spider-Man, of course. Uh, you know, because there's all that hubbub about Donald Glover yeah. since he just said it as in passing and then it turned into... Hey, Internet, let's explode with ideas for this. I, I think he could also do a very good I, job, although I don't know that for me he fits my... I mean, I mean he's, he's a good actor, but I don't know that his personality fits my idea of what a Peter Parker should be um, in a very different way than I think uh, Tobey Maguire didn't fit that, that role. But. And the, the other one I had, DJ Qualls. <laughs> <What> is, <laughs> he's so skinny! What if DJ Qualls is Peter Parker? <laughs> Would you be doing that version of, of Spider-Man like they did Captain America, where he's, like, pre-Spider-Bite? <laughs> there you go, yeah, that'd be great. And then he gets bit by the Spartan, he turns into, he turns into Donald Glover, right? <laughs> <laughs> what about, um, let's, let's get a, a Aziz Ansari in this movie. As Spider-Man? He'd be Flash Thompson. Yes. Yeah, he'd be Flash. <laughs> Aaron, on your, if you were ever forced to go to Comic-Con in cosplay, what character would you go as? Comic book, anime, movie, doesn't matter. Oh, uh, well, let's see. I dressed up as Afro Samurai for Halloween once. I tried to do that for Comic Con. That'd be cool. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be pretty down with doing that. Or uh, more obscure, but I'd try to be Moses from Attack the Block. That'd be, oh, that'd be, that would be awesome. That'd be pretty cool. You need that like, nice. shift, and people would be, be like, be pretty, I'd just be like, he just looks like a black thug guy. Why is he here? <laughs> you need like a katana and everything, too. Yeah. All right. Actually, I have another one for Jordan from Jersey. All right. What Spider Man villain do you want to see next? Ooh, well, and this this kind of goes into spoiler territory, but not necessarily because there's nothing nothing's been confirmed. But there's been rumors that we've already had Electro hinted at in this movie, and I'd like to see a good version of Electro done. And I think that could be something very different for the next one. Hmm. Huh, that'd be cool. Maxwell Dillon, uh, August Jordan Grout. Uh, yes. If you can only have Fine. one of Spider-Man's powers, which one would you choose? I would choose. Spider sense, Spidey sense. Same here. So you'd always hear who's coming from behind. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. All right. Uh, hey. Yeah. Hey. So uh, originally, Chris Cooper was cast as the Lizard. Do you think he would have done a better job than Reese Fons? Uh, it's hard to say, because I've already been spoiled by seeing Risa Fons as Dr. Kirk Connor, so it'd be hard to say, but I... I... Well, just think of him as the villain in the Muppets movie, but, but <laughs> greener, but yeah. greener, and singing stuff. I was actually thinking of adaptation, I was like, yeah, he's all grimy, and he's got like a shotgun and stuff. That's, that's the alligator, that's, kill, that's, kill, that's Killer Croc, that's different. <laughs> in the final fight, Peter just, I don't want your life. <laughs> 
there are uh, photos online of early concept art for the lizard that was molded off of uh, Chris Cooper's face really? from his uh, features. I'm going to add that to the notes. I'm pretty sure that he'd make a good Dr. Kirk Connor slash lizard. So, I mean, there's no doubt, but I like Teresa Fons uh, as, as Kirk Connors. Although they kind of shafted a. That Dylan, one, Dylan Baker. Yeah, Dylan Baker, yeah, who was in Spider Man 1 through 3. 1 through 2, two, three. One, two yeah. yeah. And. Uh, that's a bummer, but, you know. Okay, Aaron, who was a better Flash Thompson? In the Raimi series or in the Mark Webb series? Oh, the, the Amazing Spider-Man wins hands down because, <laughs> it, because you have the one scene where, like, he, he, throw, he like, throws the basketball or he knocks the basketball away and it hits, like, the girl's paint and it falls in her flyer. And she's like, you did that on purpose. And he's like, yeah, you better watch your back. And I'm like, I cracked up at this. <laughs> Like, why? Why does she need to watch her? Is she? Is he gonna beat her up later? Like, what's happening? This is amazing. You said amazing. No, it was amazing. It fit the title. I was, I was that impressed with Flash Thompson in this movie. But I did. And even better, he wears a Spider-Man T-shirt. I did. Yeah. Yeah. There were like, I like. There was kind of shades to. I wish there was more to him, but there were, there were more shades to this Flash Thompson than the. The, the rabies spider where he's just like he's just roided up he's just roided up in like a dick to, who was played by Alcide in a, in, in a True Blood and he was in Magic Mike too that guy he's Magic Mike yeah that's the same it's a Joe Mangling oh that's, 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 that's I did not realize that I don't know what you would until you looking at him it's like I just I realized that after I was looking at the credits like wait what <laughs> Flash Thompson is a werewolf <laughs> he's man wolf he took it from JJJ's son <laughs> If they ever spin off this Flash Thompson into Venom, but then they add some werewolf qualities, that could be a quality movie. That'd be something. Hmm. All right, Jordan from uh, Jordan Grout. Yeah. Okay. Spider-Man and Ghost Rider are both owned by Sony. Explain to me the style and plot of Ghost Rider meets Spider-Man. <laughs> oh. I have a comic that Spider-Man and Ghost Rider uh, teaming I up. Think actually, I got I think. the same comic actually. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> So, Nicolas Cage, right, he's in Las Vegas, and he is Ghost Rider at, at his later years, and he's a raging alcoholic. <laughs> and Peter Parker comes along one day, and they get to talking, and, you know, they have a few drinks, and they go back to his room, and it becomes more than a friendship. And it's, you, you can call it... So the spider sense really comes in handy then. Yeah, <laughs> and he, he really shoots his webbing in this movie. You're saying Ghost Rider's a bottom? <laughs> you can call it, if it's directed, uh, definitely directed by Mark Webb. It's called 69 Days of Summer. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I like that there's going to be like a split-screen sequence where it's reality versus expectation. Yeah. <laughs> Peter Parker looking very glum. And that's how you play. No, everybody. So let's move on to movie trailer talk, where we discuss. I feel like I know way too much about Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> let's. We're going to talk about a couple of the newest movie trailers, and uh, let's start with the first one, which is another comic book adaptation that comes out later this year. It is called Dread, or Dread 3D. It is this new uh, Judge Dread movie. We of course had the original Judge Dread film with Sylvester Stallone making. A really bad impression for people on what they should think about Judge Dredd, but this new one has Carl Urban as Judge Dredd, and um, yeah, look. he's not a doctor; he's a judge. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So uh, let's start. Let's start with Jordan for Jersey. What do you think of the Dredd trailer? Um, I thought it was all right. I haven't really read a lot of Judge Dredd stuff, so I don't 
really have a lot to compare it to, and it's been a long time since I saw the Sylvester Stallone film, thankfully. Um, that said, I, I know that Carl Urban himself is a huge Dredd, Judge Dredd fan, and that he was kind of the impetus for getting this movie off the ground. So in that regard, it looks like it at least has firm footing in terms of sticking to the continuity. That said, I don't know that I really care. All right. Uh, Jordan Grubb? It's a shame that it looks like a remake of The Raid. Even though it's, you know, they were filmed at roughly the same time and had no knowledge of one another, it, it looks good, but it's a shame that people are, are going to attack it and already have attacked it for looking like the same film. Um, I, I want to see it. it. It looks fun. Uh, Lena Olin is an interesting choice to play the villain. Um, it has... Um, isn't the actress in it from uh, Juno, right? Yeah. Olivia Thirlby, yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, I thought you meant Juno. I was going to say, I didn't realize she was in the Guff is in here. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yep. Uh, it looks interesting. I, I definitely got that Raid Redemption vibe from it as well. As well as... Um, Let's just call it The Raid. The Raid, yeah. Dread Redemption. Yeah. <laughs> And then I also got vibes of uh, Max Payne, probably because all the slow mo stuff. As in the game, not as in the as in the Mark Wahlberg, Mila Kunis movie. What what, what action stuff was in that movie? Because I don't recall much. <laughs> <laughs> slow motion of him like shooting green. Anyway, yeah, there was but, that one scene. Um, but it, I don't know. It, it looks like something I'd, I'd want to go check out just to see how different it is. It's probably gonna be very different, but at the same time. Um, I don't know, it's, if it's uh, ridiculous over the top, I think I'd enjoy that more than, than it taking itself incredibly seriously. I kind of think it could take itself pretty seriously and be okay with it, just because Judge Dredd is a pretty serious guy. He's basically a fascist. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean I, yeah, watching the trailer, yeah, the Raid Redemption seemed like a clear kind of comparison in terms of... I've seen people invade a building and fight through it all the way before, but... Still, I'm kind. Of, I'm interested. I, you know, I like the Judge Dredd character in the comics, and the, there's kind of some loose fun I could have with the Sylvester Stallone movie, which is pretty god awful, but also kind of like, hey, Rob Schneider's here making witty jokes on the side. If for some reason Judge Dredd took off his helmet in the new, in that version, which is weird, but I've been assured that Carl Urban's not going to take off his helmet throughout this movie, so that's something to hope for. And, uh, you know, it's in 3D, right? So you're supposed to love it automatically. <laughs> but, yeah, well, I guess we'll see. Uh, Is that something that doesn't really happen a lot? He doesn't take off his helmet? He doesn't take... No, he doesn't take off his helmet. That's, Ever. That's it. Okay. No, there's no helmet taken off. It's on. Oh. There was a tragic glue incident. Yeah. Exactly. Oh. exactly. Just like Sideshow Mel and that bone in there. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Armand Asante better have a cameo in this. Yeah, there needs to be more Armand Asante. Who is supposed to be Sylvester Stallone's, like, twin in, the, in that movie, right? There's a commentary of the maker right there, the Judge Dredd movie. Um, okay, so Dread 3D opens in September 21st, 2012. And, uh, yeah, we'll see. Um, actually, there's a screening at Comic-Con next week, so I might be able to Ooh. see it, but we'll see. Um, so, yeah, okay, the next trailer we have is from writer-director The Rizza of Wu-Tang. It is called The Man with the Iron Fists. It is presented by Quentin Tarantino. Eli Roth co-wrote the movie, and it stars uh, Russell Crowe, Lucy Liu, Riza, uh, Jamie Jamie Chung, Chung. Uh, and a whole host of other people. Russell Crowe is the one that throws me off every time I say it. But uh, Russell Crowe and his mustache and both appear in the film. Sam Greer, 
Dave Batista. <laughs> oh, God. So, um, yeah, this is a movie that's very much... It seems like a long time coming for, like, RZA and Wu-Tang in general, but it, it yeah, it involves... Here's, here's the description. In feudal Japan, a blacksmith, played by RZA, who makes weapons for a small village is put in the position where he must defend himself and his fellow villagers... And it looks like Lucy Liu's like a crazy mad woman. Russell Crowe's here as like some kind of Western guy with guns and sword play action. And just a whole bunch of kind of classic kung fu movie mixed with kind of the modern take on this sort of style. It looks like it could, it could be potentially be amazing. Hilarity ensues. And it could easily bomb in theaters, which it probably will. But I'm still interested in this movie. But what, what say you guys? Jordan Grout? Oh, man, Russell Crowe is aging into, like, a bloated toad, isn't he? <laughs> oh, um, but he looks awesome in the movie. He looks fantastic. I, I can't wait to see it. it I, I was reminded of, uh, what, what was that? Warrior's Way yeah. from, like, two years ago. And I had a blast with that. I, I thought that was a whole lot of fun. And that didn't do well uh, either at the box office. So, yeah, it looks great. In my opinion, it, it it looks so absurd that it has to be fun. Uh, Jordan from Jersey. Uh, where does this fall within the Mortal Kombat movie continuity exactly? <laughs> I, I don't know. It's it's, it's not really my thing. Um, it looks competently made, but like I said, not really something that interests me in particular. Unless it crosses over with the Man in the Iron Mask in some bizarre way. <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio just shows up. Yeah. <laughs> Just fist versus mask. Yeah. Uh, this movie looks, I don't know, I, I didn't really get a great strong vibe from it at all. It kind of looks ridiculous, and I, I hope that it doesn't take itself crazy serious. It reminds me a lot of like Kung Fu Hustle, and it gives me a lot of uh, vibe of um, Ninja Assassin, which I thought looks great too, and then I saw it and I'm like, this is just an awful movie. Yeah, that was disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> that was a disappointing movie. So it's, it's a bummer, because so I hope that this one, if it's not like, you know, crazy stupid, it's just like crazy funny. Uh, so I, I'm not getting my hopes up too high. Was Ninja Assassin one that was like Cowboys versus Ninjas? No, that's, no, that's that, the Warriors way. Yeah. Ah, okay, like the, gotcha. the Asian dude and the white girl, right? Yeah, yeah um, Lois Lane from Superman Return. Um, Kate Bosworth. Oh, yeah, that's right. And Jeffrey Rush is there going, Ninjas, damn. <laughs> this movie is definitely not taking itself seriously. No. It's so apparent from the trailer. I know, and I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to the soundtrack too. I mean, it's gonna, <laughs> you, when you have the RZA involved on the movie, that means the soundtrack is going to be amazing right away. Yeah, well, uh, we'll, we'll see. I guess uh, uh, Man of the Iron Fist. I believe I assume it's coming out this year, but uh, there's no release date as yet. It just is coming soon. So hopefully, it comes out right in that sweet spot of Thanksgiving, <laughs> <laughs> along with. Because that, that, that's when, that's when uh, Ninja Assassin came out, and that's when, uh, <laughs> you know, okay, here we go. Rise of the Guardians saw, is going to be competing hard. Yeah, I saw, Ninja, I saw Ninja Assassin and then jumped to Fantastic Mr. Fox afterwards. It was an amazing double That was feature. a great double feature, then, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at least you were satisfied at the end. Yeah. <laughs> I just intercepted a high-frequency radio transmission on a can. <laughs> um, it should come out the same weekend as Twilight. It probably it might. It might. There's counter-programming. Yep. Okay, so that's yeah. Okay. That's that's the man of the Iron Fist. That's a movie that's coming out. Oh man. <laughs> let's uh, move on to let's move on. Let's do it. Let's go on to the main review. Woo! To Spider Man. Amazing Spider Man time. This life is not an easy one. I've made enemies. 
powerful enemies. I've put those I love in danger. But the one thing that has haunted me my entire life is finding the truth about my parents. You're a wanted man, Peter Parker. You don't believe what the police are saying, do you? My dad has 500 officers looking for you. 500? That <laughs> seems a bit excessive. Whoa! You know, if you're gonna steal cars, don't dress like a car thief. You found my weakness. It's small knives. Who are you? Tell us a little bit about yourself, Mr. Parker. What does your father do, Peter? Well, I never really knew my father. My parents left when I was very young. Peter, someday you'll understand. Did you tell the boy about his father? Dr. Connors, I'm Richard Parker's son. If you want the truth about your parents, Peter, come and get it. All right, so that should have been some of the trailer for The Amazing Spider-Man. And, of course, this is the story of geeky social outcast Peter Parker discovering that his parents, who left him at a young age, were involved in something at the Oscorp Corporation with Dr. Kirk Connors. Peter investigates and ends up being bitten by a genetically altered spider. So he then develops super strength. You say dope. I said dope. I hate when that happens, when you're bitten by a spider and you're like, oh, not Mondays. <laughs> so he develops super strength, sticky hands, and spider sense, of course. And due to a later tragedy, Peter then starts to use these powers to take down criminals, which leads to him becoming Spider-Man. At the same time, Peter is also developing a romantic relationship with Gwen Stacy, played by Emma Stone whose father, Captain Stacy, Dennis Leary, is trying to take down Spider-Man. Also, Kirk Cutters is having his own problems as he's tested his own serum on himself, which has led to his transformation into, you know, a giant lizard creature, Tuesdays. <laughs> Super-powered hijinks ensue in an effort to stop the lizard. Let's start with Abe. What do you think of The Amazing Spider-Man? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was, that was a long pause. Uh, yeah. uh, I thought that it was a good movie. I didn't think it was something that was mind-blowing at it i wasn't really walking away from the theater thinking wow this is this has changed my life this is this is like a great marvel movie um as most movies you tend to rank on that scale yeah <laughs> pretty much yeah uh but no it, it was something that i i did enjoy it but i just didn't really get as much satisfaction out of it and i wonder if that's primarily because um like the spider-man is it's kind of going for like a maybe a different theme uh of or a different revenge theme i don't know but um it also really didn't establish a lot of characters that I wanted to establish and relationships I, I didn't want or that I didn't feel were uh, fully established, like the Uncle Ben, Peter Parker thing. That one was kind of, it, it didn't hit as well as it did with uh, some of the Raimi films. Um, and the character development of, of the main villain, I didn't feel as though that one was that great either. Uh, there were a lot of cool scenes with it. And then also toward the end, it kind of, the, the redemption value of the main villain I didn't feel was really there for what happens toward the end of the film. Um, and it kind of just seemed like it was trying to put a lot of ideas together in a short amount of space. And so I don't know if it could have done it better, even though the movie is like, I don't know. It's, it's a little over two. It's two hours and 20 minutes. Yeah, it's a, it's a long film. So it's I don't know if it was just maybe they, they wanted to really please a lot of the fans or what have you but you know again just 
as an overall basis, it was an okay film. I just wasn't really going to rush out and tell everybody, hey, you got to go see this. Let's go to Jordan from Jersey. Uh, I actually really enjoyed it. For me, I'm a huge Spider-Man fan, and I never really loved the Sam Raimi trilogy. I thought, as movies, they were fairly good. I didn't even hate Spider-Man 3 nearly as much as everybody else did. But um, I really, really disliked Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker. Uh, I thought he totally missed the mark on the character. And yes, I understand it's an adaptation. It's not going to be exactly the same as the books I read, and that's fine. But the version he did portray isn't a version I want to watch on screen for any amount of time. So in that regard, I thought, you know, especially with Peter Parker, but in all the casting, I thought this movie was heads and tails above the others. Um, I thought Spider-Man 2 is probably a better movie, uh, but I'd say this is the one I would sooner watch again than any of the uh, first three. Jordan Grout. Um, I was not a fan. I did not find it exciting at all, actually. I didn't find the characters interesting, with the exception of uh, Martin Sheen and Dennis uh, Leary. Um, I almost said Dennis Miller. <laughs> that would have been awkward. Been. I, I didn't feel that the characters resonated. I I, I felt the romance was hollow. I, I thought the pacing was clunky. The film felt, for me, very long. It felt like Return the King length. Um, and and by the end, the big action set piece, I just didn't care. I know people are complaining about um, the use of a crane uh, in, in the end, and people are all upset about that, and I, I just didn't care. I just wanted the movie to end, and I was like, oh, crane, all right, moving on. Um, it, it didn't give me, like, goosebumps the way, you know, the, the first three did, even Spider-Man 3. Like, there were moments where, where I thought, oh, yeah, Spider-Man, go, and none of that. Um, I, I hated the design of the lizard. Um, I felt that motivations of characters were so unclear, and um, things they did at the end were not established earlier and just shoehorned in. And uh, and sure, the special effects are, are better than, than Raimi's films, but I'll take his you know, kind of a clunky special effects any day over this movie because I, I felt his is so much emotion and and the impact is is far greater than Mark Webb's. We're going to be all over the map on this one because I think I'm right in between Abe and Jordan on this. I like the movie quite a bit and certainly more some aspects more than others of it, but I really, I enjoyed the movie overall and I think it, I think it's, I think it's about on par with the first Spider-Man film in terms of what it's trying to do. And uh, so the, the difficult thing about this movie is that, well, it exists now. I mean, it's coming 10 years after the first Spider-Man, five years after Spider-Man three, and it sticks very close. I mean, it's an origin story and we've all seen that origin story. And so it's very difficult to be like, well, why does this movie need to happen? But separated from all that, I think there's a lot of good stuff here, because I do think Andrew Garfield's quite good as Peter Parker and as Spider-Man, and I think Emma Stone's solid as Gwen Stacy, but they're, that chemistry alone in that movie, like, I'd watch that movie just about these two interacting, because I just think it's really well handled, and I like the fact that the relate the relationship compared to, like, the, the Sam Raimi films where it's essentially about that romantic core and has other stuff on the side, this movie it falls into more of a subplot category that I think works. I think it, there's a subtlety to how it's handled that I, I, I felt worked well for the film. I thought it was pretty strong. I do think it has issues with its story, with um, kind of, I guess, motivations. Like, you have 
Peter Parker initially starts out. I mean, the movie is basically is being told the untold story, but we the, nothing's really expanded on in that aspect. Like we we want to learn more about Peter Parker's parents. Like Peter Parker wants to learn more about his parents, but then the movie kind of drops that entirely after he becomes Spider-Man. And given yeah. that the movie advertised itself so heavily on being the untold story of Peter Parker, you figured. I think I'd want to learn about the untold story of Peter Parker. Yep, yeah, maybe there's, like an, maybe there's like an extra untold part related to Oscorp, which, again, you don't really get a whole lot of. You just figure out a math formula, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, it seems it seems very clear that there's like a three-hour version of this movie, and a lot of that was cut out for either pacing or, you know, let's put this into the sequel. But given that the movie was, you know, so heavily touted as being about the untold story, I wanted to see more of that stuff and not, you know, stuff I've already seen in the Sam Raimi movies. Where the movie also falters is the villain category, where in the first film you have, like, Willem Dafoe as Green Goblin, who's an amazing Norman Osborn. Yes. Got the, the car, costume aside, Willem Dafoe's really good in that movie. And Alfred Molina's, like, really good as Doc Ock in the second Spider-Man film. Not even, I don't know about Venom, but I'd argue for what little he has to do, Sandman, he worked kind of well in Spider-Man 3. This one... Yeah, is, Grace did a fine job in that. This one... I, I mean, Risa Fons is a good actor. I like him, but he doesn't get much to do, like, after the first couple scenes with him. Like, you see him meet Peter Parker, and that's fun and stuff. But when he becomes, like, the lizard, his motivations are so, like, silly. It's right. like, why is he... <laughs> he becomes a lizard, and so his solution is to turn people into lizards. Like, I don't, I don't know why he wants to do this. I don't know what I'm supposed to... Like, it, it's just... Yeah. And the other thing about that, too, is, like, there's a, there's a point in the movie where he's kind of... Uh... He's kind of ambivalent about what to do because he's getting pressure from two different sides, like one from Oscorp and then one from, I guess, his personal standpoint about what to do with uh, this this quote unquote uh, what is it new serum that he's developed, and and then all of a sudden he starts just you know juicing up on all of it all the time, and I wasn't really sure about why he was doing that at all. I mean, he he seems to have like these internal uh, dialogues within himself. I guess our soliloquies, but it's just you know, it's just I wasn't sure about where his character was getting all this. Where, where, what's the fuel for all this? Why does, why does he want to all of a sudden unleash this upon New York? He's trying to rid the world of weaknesses. I think his explanation for it in the movie. Oh yeah, did he say that? Because I, I think he did. I said that like at no point like he indicated that he felt humanity was inadequate. Well, I mean, he says it in the conversation before he comes uh, the lizard, and it seems to be when he's having that inner monologue where he kind of decides that, oh, humanity is the weakness, and it's the lizard who's the strength. But I, I don't know if it's said in that many words. It's more just implied. Yeah, and I, I just, I wish that stuff was kind of, you know, I wish it had more of a reason to resonate with me where I'm like, I care about this, the, the villain's plot, because he's, you know, trying to basically take over the world, as all villains want, or these kind of villains want to do. I just, I don't think it registered full. Now, with all that said, like my my main like kind of thoughts on the movie, I do like it overall. Villain problems and like weird untold story, not told issue. Aside. It's not aside. I do. I mean, I like the cast a lot. I liked. I liked. I thought Dennis Leary was pretty effective actually as Captain Stacy. I thought mm-hmm. more so than I initially thought he would. And I I also I really liked um, Uncle Ben and Aunt May. I like Martin Sheen and Sally Field. I like, I having watched the other Spider-Man films recently. I yes, I would say Cliff Robertson as Uncle Ben. That relationship's very strong, but I think it, I think the Martin Sheen, Andrew Garfield dynamic, I think that works well for, the you know the little time and both these films have a little time to spend with Uncle Ben, but that yeah. that aspect I, I think works well, and I think it's, I mean I was going in I wasn't worried about Martin Sheen and Sally Field not being able to pull off being Uncle Ben and Uncle Ben and Aunt May because they're just they're great actors, so 
that one mm-hmm. movie. And, um, you know, the Spidey stuff is cool. Like, seeing Spider-Man swing around town, I never not want to see that. Like, it's awesome, and it looks great. And I saw this movie in, you know, big 3D and IMAX, and it looked really good in that format. It looked, it was a good, it was well shot in 3D for the, those big action sequences. I would say, yeah, the third, the third act action sequence, it's mainly because the lizard's just not threatening to me. Just the design of the lizard in this movie, the CG work on him. Like, it looks fine in terms of, it's there in the scene, but like it. It looks like a Koopa from Mario. <laughs> <laughs> I actually like the design of the lizard. I, I, I mean, you know, he, he's pretty like strong, bulky, and people were saying that he kind of looks like Killer Croc a little bit more than he does uh, the lizard, which I guess from like the jawline and stuff. But I like the design of, of the lizard enough that uh, I was with that. But again, just the aspect of okay, now I'm gonna unleash this upon the city, and I will use Oscorp as as like the tower to do it yeah it, it was kind of something that you've seen in all of the trailers especially that now that they put out like four minute trailers and stuff like that it just you know i think that some of the suspense was taken away so i, I was kind of bummed out about that on, on the design front i mean i know a lot of people complain that oh the lizard looks like killer croc or the lizard doesn't have a snout but what most people don't remember is that he didn't get the snout till later i mean the original lizard design which i just sent you through skype looks just like the one in this movie except he's a little smaller he's not quite as bulky but um the the snout was a later addition so this is actually a lot closer to what the lizard looks like than people realize yeah and even with that said though i mean for being the main antagonist of this film i just didn't feel threatened by him which i mean it's regardless of how true with the comic is that that does make a difference to me like I, but then again green goblin's a terrible costume so i mean it's <laughs> how much do we get to take away from these villain things right right and all these villains in spider-man now i do i'll give credit to marvel for you know having the you know using their villains like how many times have we seen lex luthor in a superman film and but like spider-man we've got like all these different villains and i think that's really cool like we get to see all these different characters come to life and i'm also a big lizard fan in general so that it's a mix of I was kind of upset that I wasn't more into what the lizard's whole plan was, or even like his, even his human side, like Abe was saying, his kind of, you know, bringing how that character gets resolved, it didn't mean much to me, uh, right, compared yeah. to someone like Doc Ock or something like that. But, yeah, I thought about that actually too, I made that comparison, and I know that Jordan from Jersey, I think that you were, you were, uh, you were really good in that you didn't go back and watch the Raimi films, right? Right, I kind of wanted to... I figured everyone else is going back and watching them for the most part, and I wanted to kind of give myself a different perspective. Yeah. Plus, like I said, I don't really like them very much, so yeah, <laughs> it was no big loss for me. Yeah, I got to applaud you for that because like, almost immediately I just went back and started watching the other Spider-Man films. But yeah, there, there's there's a redemption value in Doc Ock and Spider-Man 2 that I found effective, and I, I found that to be, uh, you know, the way that his character plays out in that film, I found that to be better than the the lizard in this film and i think that they were trying to go for maybe that same kind of story arc of uh, oh you know i'm shaking off the uh, the angel dust now oh this is what i'm doing no i can't do that you know what i mean um so it's kind of just it wasn't as rewarding as i thought it could have been yeah and I, I never understood if connor's was a decent man just a victim of of fate or like a really menacing like vindictive person who's just amplified by the serum because when when he I don't know. goes back to to his human form, he's still looking to 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 hurt humanity. But then at the very end, he becomes good, and he he the very last scene, like the post credit scene, like he's standing up for Peter Parker. And I thought, well, 
what do you want? And I felt like the movie didn't understand that either. So I mean, I don't think I, I like I don't think it's like Jekyll Hyde. I don't think when Kirk Connors is not the lizard that he he's in in this movie in this in this version of Kirk Connors. I don't think it had the confusion of being of him being like an innocent guy when he's not the lizard, but a great or but a, you know a monster when he is the lizard. After he uses the serum, I think before he used the serum, yeah, he's a good guy. He's a scientist. He wants to do, you know, he wants to create a cure so he can grow his arm back and what have you. But after he becomes the villain, he's more like a drug addict at that point, where he wants more. He wants more of that. He wants to be in control. He wants to have everything he needs, and it kind of warps his mind into like everybody should be like this. Everyone needs to be perfect. I, I don't think the movie was confused in that aspect. And and even well, before he becomes a lizard, I still felt like, oh, this is an ominous, shadowy character. Uh, Did you get that vibe? He seems like a nice guy. <laughs> I, 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 the, I felt like like was always like some something else there. Do you think Reese Fox as the bad guy and the little Nicky too much to be able to separate them out? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that and the five year engagement. Yeah, you got it. Whereas Connors in Raimi's films, I thought, hey, yeah, there's no question. He's just a really decent guy who eventually is gonna get screwed over by some serum he's gonna test on himself well you know what dylan baker was evil in trick-or-treat let's move on from the lizard and let's get let's go okay. let's go to the other characters like what okay that's the the characters of parker and not mary jane wednesday uh, Stacy. yes gwen stacy i i just felt they were flat like especially gwen stacy you didn't like I, emma stone as gwen stacy i i thought the acting was fine I thought the acting was a-okay i thought the characters that were written we're underdeveloped. Uh, but besides wanting Peter Parker, I didn't feel like there's much more there to the character. Whereas in Raimi's films, yeah, I even in the first one, like I feel they're fully developed. You know what each character wants, and it's clear, and there's no confusion. And in this one, I just thought they were just boring. And it, you know, thankfully the film didn't have her become the damsel in distress at the end. I get cringe to that, actually, because he doesn't yeah. jump much. He's not on the top. That's, that's a nice with touch. Yeah. But yeah. I, I just didn't feel like there was a whole lot there. Well, okay, Jordan, you, you didn't like Tobey Maguire. Jordan from Jersey, you didn't like Tobey Maguire in the original trilogy. Do you? What, what do you think about Andrew Garfield here as Peter Parker? I think, for me, he, he perfectly hits the mark of what I want from a Peter Parker and a Spider-Man. He's got, you know... The Tobey Maguire version had kind of two modes. He had mopey and he had shy, goofy smile. And <laughs> that's fine if that's what you're looking for. But this is a Peter Parker who felt much more real. The Tobey Maguire version felt somewhat close to like the original 1962 or 64, I forget the year, version of Peter Parker. That You know, the Amazing Fantasy 15, the uh, wallflower, nobody Peter Parker. But this one feels much closer to the Peter Parker that's been written in the last 50 years since that he feels he can be mopey when he need when there's a reason for him to be mopey but he can be funny he can be whatever he needs to be he's a normal guy he's an outcast but he's still the everyman which is kind of what stanley has always gone back to as the main um the best quality of spider-man that you know, beneath the mask it could be anybody and peter parker needs to feel like anybody he's still you know he's still a science genius he's still smart and everything but he still feels like a normal guy he doesn't just feel like you know, some milk toast, uh, nobody like like uh, Toby Toby McGuire's version felt like in in the first trilogy. It's kind of weird because I I like Andrew Garfield as the role of Peter Parker. I think that he kind of uh, assumes the role the way that I, I assume Peter Parker to be, which is tall, lanky, you know, bushy haired, um, quiet, 
But I think what the character did for me, it really kind of, uh, it made Peter kind of angsty, and it made him kind of a jerk sometimes, because this is part where Flash is trying to console him. I, I don't know how the whole entire school found out that Uncle Ben died. But it's, in the, it's in the Daily Bugle. <laughs> it's front page of the Daily Bugle. Every, everyone reads the Daily Bugle, it means. <laughs> but, um, you know, Flash is trying to console him, and then he just throws him into the lockers and, and doesn't even apologize for that. And if I'd like it to be a dick move on... Well, uh, I mean, Peter that's Parker's like the day after his uncle died. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, it's understandable, but at the same time, like, I think that it, it was just one of those things where I, I didn't see that coming from Flash Thompson either, of Flash Thompson. And he shows up at the funeral at the end. Flash Thompson does? Yeah. Oh, I, I didn't I didn't realize that. But, I mean... I, I, you don't see him, I think, when just mentions that he was there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, you know, I, I, I think that... Andrew Garfield fits the role, but I, I kind of, again, I, I don't really like to compare the two, but it's just, I, I found Tobey Maguire to be more comic-y, like comic booky, in in the way that he's uh, portrayed. And I think that you, you kind of hit it there, Jordan, from Jersey, is just that um, he kind of, Tobey Maguire kind of does that whole entire retro Spider-Man where he's, he's quirky, um, and he's kind of like lighthearted, goofy. So maybe maybe that's just what the... It's, it's fitting of like a of kind of Sam Raimi's handle on those kind of films, because he has, he has a, I, I would, I would say that, yes, the, the earlier Spider-Man films feel like they feel more comic booky and this film feels more set in a realistic world, despite the fact that there are giant lizards and spider powers and what have you. But I, yeah, I, I can, it, it's easy enough for me to disassociate the two just because they, they feel like different films to me. It doesn't yeah. feel like Mark Webb is completely riffing off of the, it feels like I can easily separate the two. So I mean that 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 is. I mean I don't I don't I don't even I don't want to try to compare the two if I don't have to. So I'm just going to try to stick away from it because I just in general I like I like Andrew Garfield in this movie and I like I liked his portrayal of Peter Parker, which was I think it was different from Tobey Maguire. So it didn't feel like it was just rehashing. That's true. The 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 or that you know the same movie again because I I want to think of this as a reboot and not a remake of that film and that's. It's. I mean, it, it comes down to how difficult it is, how difficult of a position Spider-Man is in, if this movie is in compared to having that previous franchise so early on. But right, I think. It, Did you know he's 29? By the way, yeah, I'm aware that he's quite old, and he. I was not aware of that he, until after I saw the movie. So you were convinced that he was a high school student then? He looked like a somewhat tall high school student, but yeah. <laughs> I mean that 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 is my one that is my one super fanboy nitpick is uh, Peter Parker's five eight and he's much too tall to be Peter Parker. But aside from that, well, Hugh Jackman was pretty tall for Wolverine. So. Yeah. Oh, he's much too tall for Wolverine. But I, th- that thing didn't really bother me. I just did notice, like in the locker scene you mentioned earlier, where he's standing right next to Flash Thompson. It's like, wait a second, he, they're both the same height. There's a problem here. You know, this is a tall kid, but he still looks very young. He doesn't he doesn't look twenty nine in my opinion anyway, not in the movie. Uh, so. Because again, I do like this movie, and I, I've seen I've seen it twice so far, and I, I don't know if I'd see it in theaters again, but I'll see it when I'll get I'll get the Blu-ray. Well, here's a question: uh, Jordan from Jersey and Jordan from Grout, have you guys seen it multiple times? Nope, no, I've only no. seen it once. Okay. I mean, so, it's, it's pretty so Aaron, does it get better as you see it the second time? It sticks. It sticks about the same. Although the second time I saw it on the the huge IMAX screen, and then that, that's when I realized that wow. They, they, they shot the film. It's not shot on IMAX, but it's shot so it takes up the full frame during okay. the climax, which impressed me quite a bit because it's like, wow, this is very large Spider-Man I'm seeing going around in 3D right now. But 
Mm. What I was trying, what I've been trying to kind of rack in my mind of like how to kind of think of this movie is like what separates it because it's an origin story and origin superhero films all generally run the same and just need that little something to make it different. And like Iron Man has like Robert Downey Jr. that make it makes it stand out from other origin stories because he's a great he's performance great in that yeah. in that movie. And something like, um, I mean, I mean, Superman's the template for all these movies, but like. These movies need something that make it stand out. And honestly, as much as I like Spider-Man, it doesn't have that extra something that makes it stand out for me. Where like I think it's a good film, but I don't I don't think it reached that upper upper level of like the first origin movie that like really like set me up for want for like all the sequels. Like I'll be happy to see sequels, and I generally I mean superhero sequels generally tend to be better just because they get all that origin stuff out of the way. But this one, while good and while I enjoy it and would recommend it to people, I don't think it got to that level of being something like completely different from other origin story movies yeah i think i'm I'm there with you too which is just to say that yeah it's a good movie i liked it uh but it just yeah it didn't leave me thinking damn i gotta wait for for them to pull out a joker like in uh batman begins something like that which i don't think was aided by the whatever was going on in the the um, the cell the the post-credit sequence that like you know obviously sets up a sequel but it's like What's happening here? Like Jordan and Jersey, what did you think of the? Without spoiling what it is, were you like did what? What did you? What were your thoughts on the, the post credit on, on the mid credit sequence? I thought it was incredibly vague, which yeah, yeah. can be a negative, but it can also be a positive in that now you have people debating, you know, who's the character he's talking to, and, and I alluded to who a lot of people think it could be, and who I think it could be, and could be a good idea for the next film. Um, I, I I guess. In the way that you were, uh, I, won't, I don't want to say complaining as a negative, but how you were pointing out that they kind of dropped the thread of his parents' story mm-hmm. uh, midway through the movie. This just affirming that this there's a lot more to that story and it'll be coming in the subsequent two films. Huh. Um, just kind of giving you that tease of that. So in that way, I think it worked for me. And it's if they keep that villain, if it is indeed a villain, vague enough, then you have a lot of ways you can go with it in the next two movies without committing to anything right now. Yeah, and that's... That's fine, and, like, I'm not necessarily mad at the... Well, I'm more mad at the way the movie was marketed when it comes to the whole parent stuff, just because the tagline's literally the untold story, yet this movie sticks so closely to being that's I mean, not a remake, but that same story of how Peter Parker became Spider-Man and doesn't offer much new in the way of a plot. Like, you, you still have, you know, Peter Parker becomes Spider-Man, he looks for criminals and then there's a yeah. big bad villain at the end with you know vague but, but aside from the part that peter parker becomes spider-man every other part of your sentence applies to every other spider-man movie anyway he 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 goes out and fights crime and then fights a big villain yeah that. so it's the told story it's not the untold story <laughs> like but i'm not i'm saying that's for any spider-man movie not just an origin story yeah. aside from yeah. peter becomes spider-man part the rest of it is all different you know, right down to Gwen versus Mary Jane, who, while I thought uh, Kristen Dunst did a good job as Mary Jane, you know, in, in a fight between which character do I want to see, Gwen Stacy wins every day, especially when portrayed that well and looking like she stepped right off, you know, the Ramita page by, by Emma Stone there. That, that, for me, their relationship is what set this apart from, say, the, uh, Spider-Man 1. Um, so uh, you want to, uh, I don't know. Um, when what? I don't know, we could, I don't know, we could, uh, or we could do something else, or we could, if you don't, I mean, uh, like, we could, yeah, 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 either one, 
Really? Sure. Okay. All right. Good. Sounds good. Okay. Still my heart. I, you know, I can't right now. I can't right now. I'm, yeah. I'm no. so busy right fine, now. Me too. Oh. <laughs> but uh, maybe. Uh, yeah. Just you know. Some other time. Okay. Bye. All right. And yeah, I would I would agree with that. And so Jordan Grout, what you see, so you think the relationship aspect fell flat? Yep. It, and I it thought is, it was like the best part of the like, movie. <laughs> uh, they're flirting in the hallway, all that sequence. Like none of that did anything for you. The cult I, was I, great. I felt there was barely a buildup to the relationship. Relationships like, oh, they like one another. Uh, okay, they they get together early on, and that's it. That, that's it. It was like, oh, okay, there's really not much more to it. And it could have worked, but I felt the, it failed in the execution. I think I'm kind of with Jordan on that. I mean, Jordan Grant on that. And, just... but I mean, with both characters, I just didn't feel there was an arc. I uh, to the to, to either of them, I felt they were the same character they were at the end than they uh, as they were at the beginning. Well, I think that there's more of an arc, but I, I feel as though like, I barely, 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 yeah, barely. I like the portrayals of them. Definitely, that's that's something, and I like the relationship as it goes, but it is kind of weird how quickly it moved in the beginning of, uh, you know, they just meet on the playground after Flash is, like, beating up Peter um, for him stopping a fight. And then it, it's not creepy to her that he climbs 20 stories and is, like, basically stalking her at her, <laughs> at her window. Or that he's, you know, he has her on his computer. Or that he's, well, he did blow that was, a, that was the debate team. That was explained. I, I <laughs> understand the first, that. The first thing he sees her, he, like, walks outside, he pulls up his camera, he takes a picture of her. <laughs> <laughs> At least... And, and she did invite him to her house. It's not like he just showed up. Yeah, I know, I know. I know. But, I mean, it's... it's yeah, but fire. There's even a crucial deleted scene that I saw early on that has it. Yeah, yeah right. From Rescue Me, another, you know, which is funny because Dennis Leary was in the movie. Yeah. Um, I, I felt Dennis Leary had a bigger arc. Than Peter Parker or Mary, uh, oh, I keep saying Mary Jane, Gwen Stacy. Yeah, he was great. Yeah. Um, another little nitpick. It's really minor. I I didn't get the sense of of New York like you do in the first three films. Like, and really Rain, not in the crane like, scene. You, I, I felt like you really got you know the feeling that that it was a New York setting and and the atmosphere. In this film, I felt it could have been just any any city, USA. I don't know about that. I mean, I, I, I see where you're coming from on that, but it wasn't something that like caused an issue with me. I, I mean, it didn't bother me while watching it, but afterwards, upon reflection, I was like, hmm, it didn't feel like, like New York. Like you, you get the sense in Raimi's films. You know, something that something that uh, is not exactly along those lines, but kind of in retrospect when I was thinking about it, I was thinking to myself, why like. I, I kind of liked how the other ones moved away from high school and and Peter going to college and stuff like that, so that it advances yeah. the science, so that he could be like, yeah, I've, I've been studying science on a college level. Whereas this one, he asks Gwen Stacy, "Do you know how to make a serum?" And she knows how to make a serum. And I'm thinking to myself, I, AP Bio doesn't let you do that. <laughs> she works at Oscorp, which is super. I mean, it has the Oscorp animal tree. Like, there's like super. <laughs> That's right. There's super awesome technology in that building where you can easily go in and say, "I need lizard antidotes. Here we go," and it's made. Plus, she's number one in her class. Yeah, she's right. number one in her class. Exactly. <laughs> and he's number two. You know, yeah. she's no sla she's, she's no slouch. She's no slacker. She's no, yeah. she's no Mary Jane working up the the, the diner. At the diner. <laughs> yes, Enrique, I hear you. <laughs> I want to create a world without weakness. 
Anyone care to venture a guess just how? Yes. Stem cells? Promising, but the solution I'm thinking of is more radical. No one? Cross species genetics. person gets Parkinson's when the brain cells that produce dopamine start to disappear. But a zebrafish has the ability to regenerate cells on command. If you can somehow give this ability to the woman you're talking about, that's that. She's, she's curing herself. Yeah, you just have to look past the gills on her neck. <laughs> <laughs> and you are? He's one of Midtown Science's best and brightest. Really? Mm. He's second in his class. Oh. Second? Yeah. You sure about that? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Go, going back to Jordan's comment about New York, uh, it reminded me of something that I really disliked in the first trilogy and I really disliked in this movie, and that is, can we please, please never have another scene where a bunch of New Yorkers stand in front of a flag and then decide to help Peter Parker, because I don't care. And it happens in all four movies. It does. <laughs> you mess like, it's just, like, you mess it's with always all of us. You mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. It's... Yeah, exactly. It's just, A, I've been to New York, that's never going to happen. But B, <laughs> it's so hokey and so goofy, and so it kind of fits in the Raimi films, because that's the tone they take. But it certainly didn't fit here. And and, and it would have even been better if they just cut out the shot of the American flag. Like, we get it. I see. That's, you know. a, that's something I, yeah, I didn't know. Like, I saw this, yeah. <laughs> I saw this movie with Scott Mendelson, actually. And, like, we both, like, because we were both talking about Spider-Man on the Spider-Man commentary the other that we did the other day. And we're like, well, there's that scene. And it, like, literally like, holds on the flag for just enough time before freaking... Oh, and, and, and you guys mentioned that is the, the New York setting, too. I, uh, you and Scott mentioned that as well. Um, Aaron, um, you and Scott discussed the uh, the New York setting as well, I believe, in your Spider-Man commentary briefly yeah. about how authentic it looked. And um, I, I, I feel I feel there's two types of New Yorks in films: one Spider-Man, which feels authentic, and then the X-Men New York, which doesn't feel like it at all. What is and, what is that? Well, it's, New York. A, it's an upstate New York. It's not in Manhattan. Yeah, it, X Men is never downtown. Like whatever. Yeah, New York is a big state with a lot of nothing. I mean, no offense to it, but it's just a lot of fields and forests and stuff. For the rest of it, that's not New York City. So I feel like Spider Man. Just, uh, I mean, it, it's a minor nitpick. So let's move on. Okay. So okay, the action stuff in this movie. We like the action. Like I like that. There's like a whole fight in the school. That I really enjoyed, actually. I thought it was different. I like the kitchen. I'm going to throw you out the window now. Yeah, yes. I'm going to throw you out the window now. Like, even with the lizard. And, I mean, that's a scene where actually I found the lizard to be threatening. Like, I thought that was a really cool, like, whole action sequence. You know, the sequence I liked the most was, was where he's actually spinning the web in the sewers. And he's just. That was fantastic. Chilling. Yeah, he's just chilling. Like, doing exactly everything like a spider would. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't even know if I've ever seen that in the comics. I mean, granted, I haven't read every single Spider-Man comic, but that was a really inventive, cool thing for them to add. Webs to detect where people would be, where an enemy will be coming from. Like, and you know, there was a nice sequence there of like you know, going underwater and stuff. And I actually enjoyed that one a lot. I think that's like the best action sequence in, in the film. I, I like the school one, but at the same time, I was thinking to myself, man, they, that's a lot of damage to the school. The taxpayers are gonna have to pay a lot. 
<laughs> yeah, Midtown Science High is, uh, has seen better days. Yeah, that's that's the reason I hate an action sequence, because of the property damage. <laughs> it's legit. That's, right. why, that's why people hate Bad Boys, too. It's like, damn it, they're going to have to pay for a lot of stuff after this freeway. It's coming right out of my taxes. As a banker, it's it's tough. I really liked, um, I, I also saw it in IMAX 3D, like Aaron, and I got to say, in that crane scene, which I've already said I didn't like, but in the actual action part of it, when he's swinging... The 3D combined with the iMac, every time he was hitting the apex of those arcs, my stomach was dropping. I thought that was an actually absolutely fantastic effect I agree. of the uh, of the web swinging there. I agree. It looked, it looked And I'm also, you know, just as an aside, mechanical web shooters makes me so happy. I'm so happy. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I appreciated that over their organics. That, that was something that for me, I mean, granted, I would have been just as happy with them recasting and doing spider-man 4 it wouldn't have bothered me but i since they are redoing it i do like the fact that they're going back to all the things that the raimi films got wrong and i'm not saying that from a fanboy perspective but the raimi films tried to bring in a lot of subplots and a lot of things um like for instance mary jane getting thrown off the bridge that they stole from other stories and did i'll I'll say wrong just for comics continuity but wrong in the sense that you can't ever then revisit them and do them the right way in the way that actually made sense and was emotionally affecting like in the comics now because they have gone back that's at least one plus that they can go back they can do them in, in a way that actually works story-wise now so i thought that was a plus both with web shooters and with bringing gwen in and you know not having mary jane this early not not aping the bridge scene already that kind of stuff yeah so you're looking forward to seeing emma stone murdered in a future sequel of spider-man i guess <laughs> Well, I mean, really, and especially, I mean, I'll save this part for the spoilers, but the way the movie ends, it, you're really going to feel it, and so is Peter, when that eventually happens, because it's already his fault just from the way this movie ends. Yeah, he deserves it, because he's an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I'm going to be cheering during that scene in the theater. Yeah, yeah you deserve it, you dick. <laughs> in, my, in my notes, I have Flash Thompson, so I guess I've already explained my thoughts on Flash Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> Good old Venom. Would you guys like to see that actor as Venom someday? I just a, I don't Venom. remember him. I, honestly, I just don't care about Venom. I don't. Uh, I don't. Care but about his character. version of Venom is very different from the version of Venom that's existed elsewhere in the last twenty-five years of comics. It's a completely different type of character. Do you, do you, do you like that version of Venom? Oh yeah, it's actually pretty cool because, uh, and this is comic book spoilers, but Flash Thompson, he's big Spider-Man fan. He eventually stops being a complete jerk. And he goes to kind of honor Spider-Man and do his part. He, you know, uh, joins the army, goes to, I forget if it's Iraq or Afghanistan, and loses both his legs in an explosion and saving the rest of his team. Um, and, and again, in his way of honoring Spider-Man and trying to live up to that, to his hero. And so when he comes back, he's now in a wheelchair and he's given the Venom symbiote by, I believe, S.H.I.E.L.D. or maybe the Avengers, I forget. But basically he's given this symbiote with a lot of controls and a lot of uh, a lot of checks to keep it from going out of control and allowed to be kind of a secret agent kind of bond meets spider-man in a way okay well that sounds cool in the comics i don't know if that ever happened in the movies (laughs) if it was like a spin-off thing i guess that could you know that that's right sorry venom that's the adult story (laughs) i want to see but um I mean, I, Spider-Man has such a, I mean, second to Batman, Spider-Man is like a great rogues gallery of villains, so I mean, I just I just don't care that much about Venom compared to like other characters that I'd really like to see, things like Mysterio, or even like a, a Kraven the Hunter like movie where like he's hunting Spider-Man throughout, the, like that'd be cool to me, like I think that'd be awesome. I forgot about- well, Aaron, if you figure that, 
I'm assuming that they save the whole Gwen and the Bridge thing for movie three, which would mean Green Goblin for The Amazing Spider-Man 3. Who do you want to see? I mean, you asked me this question earlier, but of this giant rogues gallery that he has, who do you think is the good buffer villain in between Lizard and Green Goblin, if indeed that's how it works out? Someone like Electro, or, I mean, I don't know how Vulture would factor in, but Vulture is like, that's a neat idea for having a villain in there. Or, you, I mean, given how this movie ends and what it's trying to set up, I mean, the the spider slayer stuff that's that could be neat i don't know yeah it could be cool yeah actually that's actually spider slayer given the oscorp thing and like we build crazy things like that actually be kind of neat to see in a movie <laughs> but, uh, right. or scorpion in particular well, scorpion, because yeah, that's scorpion too. yeah that'd be another one that'd be, yeah. i wouldn't want to see rhino i don't know <laughs> <laughs> it's just jim carrey it, it, I, I don't think you have to worry about that because i know the spider-man video game that just came out is supposedly in continuity with the movies and they've been working with Sony and that has Rhino as an Oz, I believe it's tied in Oscorp, but so they've already, they've already shot that load and they're not going to have to worry about him hopefully ever showing up in a movie outside of a cameo. For some reason, every Spider-Man game apparently needs to have a Rhino villain. <laughs> I don't know why, but everyone always has way up so he can run into a wall exactly you always yeah, beat him the same way it's like spin a web jump ahead of him and he runs to a wall and he gets dizzy and then you just beat the hell out of him. Like it's, I just don't care about the Rhino that much. Um, all right. You know, if, as, as long as they put J.K. Simmons back in the role of J. J. Jonah Jameson. I'd be very happy with yeah, that. I, I, if, even though it's a reboot or what have you, if they keep J.K. Simmons... He is so good in that role. Yeah. Let me just ask. Yeah. Jordan, number one, you're a big Spider-Man fan, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, yes. And Aaron is. What about you, Abe? Uh, I'm Habsies. I I never kept up with the comic books. I only started with the cartoon series back in like the '90s. Spider Morphin, Spider Morphin, Radio Morphin, Spider Morphin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> you like it to guitar one. So, do you feel that someone like myself, who never really got into the Spider-Man comics, it it, it seems. Seems like a lot of people I've spoken with, those who really, really like the movie and are big fans of it, are big fans of the comic. And those who don't like it, aren't as well schooled in in the comic books. Is would you agree? Because uh, I've heard a lot of people that you know dislike the movie that are big fans of the Spider-Man comics. I would say it depends on what era of the Spider-Man comics they were fans of. Honestly. Yeah, because I you know I I barely know anything about Spider-Man from the comics. I'm I'm just going off you know the films and. The few cartoons I saw when I was little. Yeah. Well, because I would right. mean, as I was saying, kind of with like how Sam Raimi's films, they feel more like comic book films, and this film feels more, has a different kind of tone and style. I'm not going to say fucking dark and gritty. I think that's stupid. But um, it it's set in a different kind of world than those films are. And I would, g- given that, I don't think that reading Spider Man comics makes me want to like this movie or dislike this movie anymore. I think it's, in, I think it works. I think it's enough of a, of a film and not like an adaptation of a comic book that, if you know what I'm trying to say, <laughs> that, that, that right, yeah. right, oh yeah, works. yeah, sure. I, I think the only place where I would disagree with you, Aaron, is what I already said before about this being not just a closer representation of Peter Parker from the comics, but a character who I actually want to see on film. And so, in that way, I do think it is close to the comics, and I do think that's. Um, a very important part of it for me because when I read Spider-Man comics, A, and I know this is sacrilege for a lot of Spider-Man fans, yes, Spider-Man has a very big rogues gallery and I don't really care for many of them. I would prefer a Spider-Man movie where he just fights a bunch of street thugs and hangs out a lot of time because I enjoy the character of Peter Parker far more than I've ever cared about any of his villains. And so 
for me, that's that's why I like this movie and why I like the Spider-Man comics. It's Peter Parker and the way he's portrayed as opposed to any of the other ancillary stuff. See, yeah, that's, yeah, I, I see where you're coming from there. And that's kind of, I mean, something that I read about or that, and heard about from Raimi and how he was constantly approaching those films despite what Sony wanted to do by shoving villains down his throat with three and eventually four, I'd imagine, before mm-hmm. that got scrapped, is that he he specifically wanted to arc those the, the three films that he had based on where Peter Parker is as a person and how those villains reflect his own person or his own sides. And that's something that... So mopey? What? So mopey? Well, <laughs> you can call mopey all you want, but I mean, that's... He starts mopey, then works up to mopey, and then ends mopey? That's something I, that's something I appreciate about how... The, how we how we pay, how we had villains factor into those various films, but I do like the idea of yeah, yeah Spider Man, as opposed to like Batman, where I really like seeing the various villain incarnations come on the screen. I, I I do like seeing Peter Parker's story in these films and him as a character and how he's progressing. So yeah, I, it's not as it's cool to see the various representatives of his rogues gallery you know come on screen. But at the same time, I do like yeah, I said come on screen. Yeah, it's um. It, it is yeah i like seeing the character of peter parker reflected throughout these films if they like i said before if they ever make a spider-man movie where it's just him fighting random thugs or even just a movie where it's peter parker and gwen stacy or peter parker and mary jane and there's no spider-man whatsoever i'd be equally as happy if not more so than the four spider-man movies they made so far because that's the part i really like it's a little confusing just because i know this movie was was supposed to be like smaller budgeted and you know basically less of a thing than Spider-Man 3, which was like one of the most expensive movies ever made at the time. So that didn't quite happen because this movie still cost a ton of money and, you know, features giant special effects sequences yeah. in the climax. Which look fantastic. They look good. They, look they, good. they do look good. But, like, I, I'm curious to see what the what the stripped-down version of Spider-Man would have been and if it would have been closer to something that you would have liked, like seeing just Spider-Man not necessarily fight a giant villain. So just, like, a huge character piece? Yeah, just a, a, basically a character film, yeah. yeah. Uh, 500 Days of Summer, but just the characters are named Peter Parker and Gwen Stacy. <laughs> which they should I think have a Spider-Man fantastic. fight um, Robert De Niro's character from The Fan. <laughs> <laughs> that I would see. They call Cake Spider-Man. <laughs> or Pat Oswalt's uh, character from Big Fan. Uh, yeah. big fan. Or to see both which, of those. Which happens in New York, oh, so that makes right. sense. All right, so unless Jordan Grout has any more complaining to do about the film, I guess we can wrap up and whip our... Ah, shut up. <laughs> shut up. Why don't you come here and say that? Don't but... you dare. Uh, so we have a scale uh, for out now. Varanade, that generally goes from... When... It revolves around when you go and see this movie. So the scale goes from IMAX to theater, dollar theater, Netflix, HBO TV, or just kind of forget about it. So... How do we start? Abe, where would you put it on that scale? Uh, I'd say theater. I mean, it's definitely one of those things that it, it's it's a visual spectacle, um, and you should see it in a, in a large theater. Jordan from Jersey. <laughs> I would say on a uh, on a uh, theoretical scale, I would go for theater. But on an actual literal scale, if you can see it in IMAX 3D, I thought the IMAX 3D was very impressive. I think it's more of a movie worthy of regular theater, but it is kind of cool to experience it that way. I agree with that. Uh, Jordan Grove. Um, Yeah, it, it is fun visually uh, at parts. The 3D's effective. Um, yeah, theater, matinee, matinee. All right, okay. All right, so we'll get to some more Spider-Man talk because we're going to do a little bit of movie callback. Callback, callback, callback. Yeah. You need a new jingle for that. <laughs> we had one just then. Um, then. Yeah, you need a new one. Well... <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll record one. I'll send it your way send, tomorrow. Send, okay. send it into outnowpodcast.gmail.com. 
You got it. I challenge listeners to beat the one that Jordan Grout sends in as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, let's just, yeah, people just start sending us jingles and theme songs, and we'll see if we put it on the show. Uh, okay, so movie callback is where we discuss a few films that kind of relate to the main feature of the week that we thought of either while we were watching it or, you know, in retrospect. So um, let's start with Jordan from Jersey. Did you have any other films that came to mind? Well, I assume we're going to step aside from the first three Spider-Man movies because that's kind of obvious. Yeah. Um, but I would say, especially because of how much I liked Emma Stone in this one, I would uh, point towards uh, Easy A because I thought she was fantastic in that one. And it's not exactly a similar character so much, but both are equally well acted by her. Jordan Grout. I, too, thought of Easy A, actually. Um, I also Which also think... has Sandman in it, oddly enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. He's really good in that movie, too. I also thought of Green Lantern, and this is much better than Green Lantern, but I, I felt both films had flat characters. Is it better than Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance for you? No. <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah. I, I enjoy uh, Spirit of Vengeance. Um, yeah, that's it. Abe? It's kind of tough. I, I couldn't really think of any, actually, uh, those callbacks. I mean, because it's, it's a comic book movie, but it's, and aside from the other Spider-Man films i couldn't think of uh, any of the movies like even post watching it all right oh i also thought of sorry i guess this is obvious uh batman forever whereas i feel this should have taken that route like new director new cast but don't reboot it just do part three hmm. i would go on the record and saying i would have been happy seeing i mean part four sorry a continuation of the spider-man series as opposed to a complete fresh start of it um not even if it wasn't necessarily continuity with the original three just like going without having the origin story would have been that like hulk i guess like sure uh, yeah um but yeah the uh, movies i thought i thought of like iron man and captain america just because of, i was trying to compare other origin films that like i liked but had like something extra to them that kind of made them superior origin story films mm -hmm. that's kind of where i was at with that so um yeah that's movie call i'd also probably mention 500 days of summer um I, same director yeah. And another good romantic comedy film. I would see that. I would say that, yeah, too, just because I did like the relationship in Spider-Man, and I, I, there were areas of Amazing Spider-Man where I could see why Sony was like, you know, this Mark Webb guy's got something. Like, I could see why that was happening. <laughs> and you know what? That to answer your earlier question, there's another actor who could be a good Peter Parker, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, see, I thought, oh. I thought, I thought that too. <laughs> if he was like younger, or if the movie was cast as Spider-Man as old as Peter Parker is older. Hmm. And Zoe Deschanel is Black Cat. The best part about Zoe Deschanel is... Right first really, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm picturing this in my mind right now. It's like, like <laughs> come down. Um, it is Kitty Pryde. Um, okay. She only burger, burg, burgles really hipster stores, though. <laughs> She's constantly burgling old record shops and urban outfitters. She steals diamonds, ironically. After asking Siri. <laughs> or what, about, uh, what about Jamie Bell? Is that his name? Jamie Bell. Uh, yeah, he, I think he'd be good. He, Where do I know that name from? Billy Elliot, King Kong, Jumper. Ten, 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 ten. Ah, that guy, that guy, yeah, yeah. You remember it from Tintin, right? Tintin, <laughs> yeah. It'd be, I'd watch the Jamie Bell, Joseph Gordon-Levitt dance fight. That'd be charming. Big one could be Eddie Brock. Um, okay, so let's move on. Let's get to the box office. And um, uh, box office... Um, you know, the movie opened on Tuesday, we're recording on a Saturday, so we don't have, like, final tallies for box office, but we do have kind of where Spider-Man's at right now. So with that said, um, Abe, do you remember what you predicted last week for the whole six-day total? Uh, I said 112 for six days. Okay, and Jordan... I forgot what I said. You said 117. 
Uh, Jose, oh. Jose's at 110. I said 130. So far, it's made uh, 95, 96 million total in its first four days, like up to Friday, or up to, up to Friday made that for, what is it? Yeah, yeah, up to Friday. Up to Friday, okay, so like it's, it, it looks like it's coming to like 130, 540 for the weekend, so I guess I won. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and highest Tuesday opening ever, not that it had any competition in that particular box office? There was some rates, but nothing like... Nothing substantial. Nothing like what's the last movie that came out on a Tuesday? I thought it came out on Wednesday, and I was surprised when uh, I was looking to buy tickets, and they came out the day before. It's whatever, um, whatever, because whatever, like Christmas release was on like a Tuesday. Ah, uh, Warhorse. Thank you. Might have been. Might have been. <laughs> Did Warhorse come out on Tuesday? Did that break records? Jingle all the way. <laughs> Christmas with the clumps. Christmas. Christmas with the clumps. <laughs> I watched that movie. Saving Christmas or the Hail Tomorrow 3D. That was that came out on Thanksgiving. That's true. Okay, the Omen came out on two thousand six. On six six six. That's why they went for that. Ali was the movie that came out on Christmas. That's what I was trying to think. And Alien vs Predator Requiem came out on a Tuesday. That's true because I saw it on Christmas. <laughs> and uh, Transformers came out. The first Transformers came out on Tuesday. I thought you were going to say it came out on Christmas. I was like, really? No, yeah. Transformers came out on Tuesday in July. Yeah, which makes sense because it was a July fourth. It was July third on the Tuesday, which is why it came out on Tuesday, posted actual July fourth day. Mm. Gotcha. Um, is this what I think it is? I think it might be time. I think it's time for some games. It is game time, and Jordan Grout and Abe, I think you might be pretty happy because I have more celebrity tweets. I'm excited, even though uh, I think I'm going to lose Okay, so this game is pretty simple, guys. I'm going to read a series of tweets from celebrities, which are completely not made up. And you have to just guess who's tweeted this. I mean, it seems really easy to me. Jordan, Jordans, you get you get the idea of this game? I'm lost. Yes. <laughs> Very simple. Typical Jordan. There's only, there's, only, there's only two rules that I have. You cannot ask me questions about these tweets, and I'm going to you know rattle them off pretty quickly. So you just you need, you need to move on with these. So, okay, here's the first one. I'm telling okay, you. Okay, just don't rush me, all right? I'm, gonna ra- I'm just saying, I'm going to move pretty quickly here, so you just, you know. Okay, just don't rush me. I won't rush you. <laughs> okay. I'll rush Limbaugh. Um, so, uh, it's terrible. Uh, it's a terrible joke. Wait, what does this have to do with OxyCode? Oh. Four. <laughs> okay, so here we go. Here's the first tweet. It's really simple. Okay. I loved Spider-Man since I was a child, and it was a thrill to put on the tights. Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield. Yeah, that's easy, right? Okay. That was good. Okay. <laughs> The difference is that Mary Jane is in love with Spider-Man. Gwen Stacy loves Peter Parker. Emma Stone? Emma Stone. Emma Stone. Okay. Right. Yeah, Jordan, Jordan Gilbert and I are on a roll. <laughs> Not much of a stretch. I've done Cops and Firemen before. Dennis Leary? Dennis Leary. Dennis Leary. Go to hell. He's on Twitter. Okay. <laughs> right. At the real Dennis Leary. Okay. I would have loved to play Parker. Mark is a good friend, and I love doing Fine Vinter Days, but I'm busy these days. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. So Zoe Duchanel, actually. <laughs> Ah. ah! I should have hashtag new girl was on the end. Oh. I should have read that part. <laughs> she could oh, play May Parker. So that would work. Okay. No goofy masks here. Just a bunch of green dots on my face and CGI to get me extra scaly. Reese Fons. Seth MacFarlane. So Sally Field actually. <laughs> Sally Field put that to it. Yeah, you know, a lot of people were complaining before this movie came out that she wasn't old enough. I've got news for them. She's old. <laughs> I was thinking of how long Mrs. Doubtfire was to like. Okay. Yeah, because she, she looked about five minutes. It's like over twenty years ago now, but like or twenty years ago now. And she like, looks like the way she does in Forrest Gump, except those are her real wrinkles now. 
Sally Field looks like the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> <laughs> the Crypt Keeper. Okay, okay. I'm happy with what they did, and I hope the studio doesn't break their spe- break their spirit by forcing stuff into Mark's next movie, next Spider-Man movies. Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi, yeah. Okay. Hashtag screw Sony on the end of this. <laughs> Don't tell anybody, but I took some cues from Aliens and Titanic and just meshed them together. James Franco. Uh, the, uh, the, the guy who did the score, whose name Jack something, John something. Oh, James Horner. James Horner. Uh, okay. He's on Twitter for some reason. James Horner. James Horner. Classic Horner. <laughs> Classic. <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> Here, here's the next one. Hey, Spider-Man, keep your goddamn mask on, you moron. Tobey Maguire. Uh, Judge Dredd. It was James Earl Jones, actually. Oh! <laughs> makes sense. That'd be awesome. At the real Judge Dredd. <laughs> <laughs> I, couldn't think of, uh, I couldn't think of Carl Urban's name off the top of my head. Better do. Anyway, keep it alive with these completely real tweets. Um, okay. Completely real. Completely real. I thought I already saw this movie in 2002 when I was also relevant. Tobey Maguire. Biscuit. George W. Bush. <laughs> oh, mission accomplished. Boom. Okay, here, here we go. Next one. See Thomas Howell. Freaking Soul Man is in Amazing Spider-Man. I didn't get a call. That was Ralph, it was Ralph Macchio. <laughs> Karate Kid. Who's... That could have been anybody. <laughs> Corey Feldman. <laughs> <laughs> here, here's the next one. Here we go. While I disagree with the principles behind this film, I really enjoyed the emotional complexity of Garfield, the chemistry of Stone, and the use of wonderful special effects that seemed like a commentary on technology and youth culture. Sounds like more than 140 characters. It was long. Dame Judy Dench. It was a tweet long. Kim Kardashian. is Jordan Gilbert's answer. It was, it was Surrey Cruz, actually. Surrey Cruz! Oh, she's tweeting now. She's, she's very insightful. <laughs> she is. She's precocious. She's precocious. Yeah. That's what they say. Precocious Surrey Cruz. That's... <laughs> She's really been eating her placenta. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I saw Katy Perry come at me in 3D instead. That was Bill Clinton. Anyways. Oh. <laughs> Here's the next, <laughs> the next one. I hated Spider-Man so much I wanted to shoot webs in my own eyes. Jordan Grout? So Stevie Wonder, Stevie Wonder said that one. Stevie <laughs> Wonder. I went and saw Magic Mike instead. So Hillary Clinton. Was, I guess they didn't see the movie together. Was, well, I thought you said Bill Plimpton before. I did say Bill Clinton before. I thought no, I thought you said Plimpton. Oh, okay. oh. that'd be weird. <laughs> okay, last last one. Spider Man was decent, but Gwen Stacy made me want to go all Craven the Hunter on Emma Stone. Jim Carrey. Jeffrey Rush. It's <laughs> a weird one. <laughs> it's on Twitter. <laughs> wow. I know. <laughs> It's a bold tweet from Jeffrey Rush. <laughs> That's how you play Zombie tweets. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, answer like some tweeting noise. Tweet. Yeah, would be good. All right. Um, let's uh, let's let's get to what we're gonna talk about next week on the show. We uh, we're gonna go. We're gonna do. Uh, well, it's gonna be pretty hectic next week because I'm gonna be at Comic Con. Okay. But um, I should be back Sunday night i guess do it so we're gonna talk we're gonna and we don't really want to talk about ice age 4 so i think we're gonna talk about a lot of the like the indie movies that have come out the limited move limited release movies and art house films that have kind of come out recently which we've done before on a couple podcasts like that <laughs> and um, i think beast of the southern wild is going to be a big one in there and uh, uh like the new woody allen movie uh, to rome with love and there's, there's like several mark duplis movies that come out. Your, sister, <laughs> like, your, sister, your sister, sister 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 safety not guaranteed yeah like that's my boy that, that's my boy. 
all those indie movies. <laughs> so yeah, that's I think that's kind of our plan for next week. So yeah, it's kind of kind of more looser in terms of the main film reviews. But yeah, Beast of the Southern Wild I think is one that we a lot of us want to talk about. But I got to see that. Yeah. So uh, yeah, no real no box office plan this week. Um, Ice Age will probably take it. I think it would be Ice Age. Ice Age. Yeah. Well, yeah. Ice Age has become the new uh, Land Before Time series, in my opinion. <laughs> They're just going to keep making them. Sad first. And then there's 19 sequels yeah. to make up for it. <laughs> Sarah is apparently a lot nicer. I hate those Ice Age films. Not not too big of a fan, either. I, I like them more than Madagascar movies. Isn't Dennis Leary also in those? He is. He's going to have a good two weeks. Oh, that's right. He's a super yeah. tooth. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I've seen, I think I have to see Ice Age 4. I have a press screen for it, oh. so... That means I have to read about on Wikipedia what happened in Ice Age Three. I'm pretty sure there's probably a lot of dinosaurs and ice. Yeah, they probably made jokes. And John Lake was almost slurred. Well, that's a stretch. Yeah. That's a stretch making jokes. Yeah, but uh, all right. Ice Age. It had the cadence of a joke. Yeah. <laughs> Ice Age is to kids' films what Resident Evil is to action films. I can I can very much see that because and, and uh, what's the other one? Um, Underworld. Mad, no, Mad, yeah, Madagascar and Underworld are the same. Oh, damn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I are the same thought on this one. <laughs> yeah. The werewolves in both look terrible. They're, they're popular for some reason, <laughs> but I don't know anyone else that likes. Well, I know a lot of people that like them. I just don't care. Um, so anyway, um, you just don't speak to those people. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, I, I guess we might do a little spoiler stuff here, but I'm gonna you know wrap it up for now. Let's uh, say that's gonna do it this week for right now, Farron and Abe. You can find more of my personal work at the code is zeke.com where you can find all my written movie reviews as well as at ysoblue.com where you can find my reviews there as well as blu-ray reviews and other reviews from people that are you know good on that site you can also find me on twitter at twitter.com slash aaron's ps3 abe uh, you can find more fun stuff at walrusmoose.blogspot.com and twitter.com slash walrusmoose jordan from jersey uh you can follow me at jordan from jersey that's at jordan frm jersey or listen to me on the walking dead tv podcast or the legion of dudes podcast at hhwlod.com jordan grow you can go to damndirtyblog.blogspot.com or, or twitter at amsterdam chap okay and of course you can find all our other shows all our other episodes about now Farron and a about itunes at hhwlod.com, which is the podcast network that hosts our show, as well as the shows that Jordan from Jersey is also a co-host on. I think I'm actually going to be guesting. Synergy. Yeah. I think I might be guesting on both of those, on Legion of Dudes and Walking Dead TV podcasts in the near future. So we'll... We certainly hope so. Yeah, so that'd be, that'd be fun. Of course, you can email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com, and you can express whether or not you believe in Jordan Grout and his hatred for the Spider-Man film, or <laughs> whether or not, you know... Yeah, actually, I'm curious of people that are comic readers versus people that are just casually fans of Spider-Man and what their thoughts on the Spider-Man movie were. So, you know, have any emails like that, that'd be cool. Or, you know, posts on Facebook on the Twitter page, you know, facebook.com slash outnowpodcast or twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. Anywhere you can post or email us, it's, you know, it's all good. Yeah, welcome to read those out on the air and, you know, feel our own, you know, thoughts and opinions on what have you. So... Um, I think we'll be doing a little bit of spoilers after the end of this, and maybe, and I think there might we might post like a Savages mini review like at the very end of this too if we have time. But um, for anyone that's not carrying on from here, so that's going to do it this week for out now, Aware and Abe. So until next time, so long and goodbye. Kisses. Twip twip.
Spider-Man does whatever a spider can. Spins a web any size, catches thieves just like flies. Look out! Here comes a Spider-Man. Is he strong? Listen, but he's got radioactive blood. Can he swing from a thread? Take a look overhead. Hey there! There goes a Spider-Man in the chill of night at the scene of a crime. Like a streak of light, he arrives just in time. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Wealth and fame, he's ignored. Action is his reward. Look out! There goes a Spider-Man. Watch out, Mr. Hyde. Is his reward to him? Life is a great big hang up. Wherever there's a playing up, you find the spider man. now with some spoilery talk i guess for the amazing spider-man and um any anything in particular want to get into jordan cool i mean we could talk about the after credit scene where we've got possibly electro possibly the vulture uh possibly even norman osborne depending on who you want to believe we could talk about george stacy dying let's talk, um, which let's talk about the post credit scene first let's go into the so okay, okay so let's just to start it up i guess for anyone that perhaps walked out of spider-man but wanted to listen to this podcast about it. Um, <laughs> basically, like the, the mid—it's not even a post-credit; it's a mid-credit sequence, yeah. which is kind of re- refreshing. Um, the um, we get to like the Doctor Connors is in a jail cell, as suddenly out of the shadows, someone emerges, playing with like his hat. And he has kind of a weird accent, and he's talking. He didn't really tell Peter about his father, did you? And <laughs> he says just like that. Then Kirk is like, no, or whatever. And then the guy is like, ah, and then he disappears. That's it in a nutshell. Right. And so there's a lot of speculation as to who this person could have been. Right. We know it's got to be someone with connections to Oscorp. So that works for at least uh, Electro or Green Goblin for sure. Yeah. And, and some people say they saw lightning in the scene, which would also speak to Electro. I don't know if I saw that personally. Well, I don't remember. I, I hear a lightning strike and you, you kind of see a flash of light in like the but I don't think you you don't you don't really see like a lightning bolt in the film. That, that's for sure. Right. So yeah, I guess Electro. I mean, it's pretty on the nose. I think. <laughs> it's like, but um, 
yeah, a lot of speculation. I honestly, you know, it's a placeholder. Like, it seems like they can do whatever they want with that kind of scene, although it's very specific in terms of having a character like this who's wearing, like, I guess a trench coat and, like, has a hat in his hand and has a very specific accent. So, like, I don't know. I don't... I Honestly, it was just kind of... It was so vague and kind of, like, I didn't care that much about what, what the scene was that it didn't it didn't mean much to me. That was kind of where I was coming in. Yeah. I am curious to find out what happened to Peter's parents though, in this universe. Cause it can't be what happened to them in the actual comic book universe. What happens in the actual comic book? Which universe? comic book universe? There's like multiple like ways to, well, I don't know if they ever talked about it in the um, ultimate Spider-Man comics, although they probably did. I haven't read too many of those, but in regular Marvel 616 continuity, Peter Parker's parents, which, Hey, there's a good tongue twister for you. They were S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, and if I remember correctly, they were shot down over Latveria, where I don't know if it was Doctor Doom who killed them or what, or if they died in the plane crash, but it has too many connections to the actual Marvel Universe that they wouldn't be able to do it the same way uh, in, in this one, for sure. Yeah, yeah the plane crash thing is like constantly, I think, was like referenced. Right, right. That that's that's not owned by anybody's IP. And there's, Boeing's not going to be suing them. And there's other versions, like, there's some fan speculation that it could be actually uh, uh, Richard Parker, like his... Richard Parker, right? Yeah. Right. Richard and actually be his father. That's the one talking to him in the cell. Oh, that's why. Yeah. So that could be very interesting. So yeah. So, but I think the reason the, the vibe that I got from it is just that I don't I don't really care. It's exactly what Aaron's saying. It, it's so open to interpretation that I was thinking to myself, okay, I guess I'm just I'm not even that excited. I'm just gonna wait for them to reveal it, like in a year or two. Right. It's kind of a, a bummer. It's it's a tease, yes, but it's not a very interesting tease. Speaking of his parents, what did you guys think of it being his father, who actually was the one who genetically engineered the spiders that ended up biting Peter? I liked it enough just because it separated it from, you know, the previous film, and it felt... that That's in line with the, um, the Ultimate series, correct? Or we, I, I believe so, yes. Like, uh, we know, like, his, Parker, his father did work for Oscorp in that series, in that version. In, in, that, in that universe, yes. So, I mean, I, li- I liked it just because, yeah, it was different from, like, how the original was set up. But again, it can't... Because, because it, I mean, the tagline's literally the untold story, I was hoping to see more of that stuff. And yeah, that's fine that they want to save it for a sequel, but the movie, well, it was depending on telling me that stuff, and it didn't quite... I can't blame Mark Webb for that, though, or the writers or anything. That's that's Sony's marketing I know, department. Yeah, that's it's, a it's, different group of people. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a weird it's place true. to come at it, so like, I'm not necessarily mad at the movie, but at the same time, there's a certain expectation that didn't deliver. Right, right. No, I got you, I got but, you. But sure. yeah, I mean, see, yeah, that... Yes, the whole aspect of Peter's Peter's father being directly involved in that, in like genetically altering spiders, or you know, working with Doctor Connors and all that. That I, I like that stuff, and I, I'm I'm curious to see more about like how deep that goes. I guess. Now, Aaron, I think before we started recording, you mentioned you knew this was coming, but Abe, did you know that George Stacy dies before you walked into this movie? I didn't know, but there were hints along the way, and there were the the hints of like. Where, where Gwen Stacy's talking to Peter, and she's like, oh, every day that he put on that badge, I was, you know, I wondered if he was going to come home. And then, yes, it was very telling when when she develops the serum, and he just goes up, and he's like, you know, go back, whatever, whatever. It was it was very telling. And um, I found it, I, I didn't know, and that's why I think I was like, oh, wow, this is actually a good, like, it's not a good thing, but it was just like, this made this, the movie a little bit more serious, a little bit more better than I thought it was going to be, because... Um, again, I, I did like Dennis Leary a lot in the film, and I also liked his story arc. And I, I really questioned, oh, and now he knows who Spider-Man is. So it's like clearly, so, I, I was thinking he can't live at this point. <laughs> <laughs> what am I, the mayor of yeah, Tokyo? Like a secret, but yeah, I, I did not know that he was going to die going in. 
Yeah, I, I, I mean, I know obviously the character eventually dies, but I didn't pick up on it until right before he walked into the building at the end. I was like, oh, so they're going to do it in this one. And so I saw it coming, but I, again, I thought it worked well. I thought it even possibly worked better than Uncle Ben's death in the movie, or e either version of Uncle Ben's death. Yeah. It was much more directly uh, moving, if you will. Plus, I mean, I mentioned it in the actual episode, but the whole him promise Peter Pomp promising to stay away from Gwen to protect her, and then right at the end, turning back on that and very clearly hinting that he's not going to follow that promise... It doesn't mean a whole lot for this movie, although I thought it worked as an ending. But for when she eventually, spoilers, when she eventually dies, that's going to be huge. Because that's the moment that he he signed her death warrant, essentially. Hmm. So it does, it, that whole entire promise does come back in subsequent... Well, presuming that President Emma Stone, or Gwen Stacy, does die in this film series. Yeah, it's like... You, I, which I think they will, because they've done a good no, job of following the comics. Anyway, yeah, and you didn't. So okay. that's going to be to reflect on him poorly. Now... I, it was it was neat that Spider-Man's apparently much less you know stubborn about sticking to rules because you know with the first series you have Willem Dafoe say don't tell Harry at the end of Green and then he holds to that promise which causes all sorts of problems with Peter Parker yeah. and, and Harry Osborn throughout that series since he's you know not telling him that Spider-Man didn't in fact kill his father until and you're leaving it up to Exposition Butler to do it in <laughs> Exposition Butler I just read something about that the other day Mister Mister Paxton that's Bill Paxton's father. <laughs> Is it really? Uh, yeah, really. He, he played the butler huh. in the... Uh, Wait, Paxton or Pullman? Pa Paxton. Yeah. <laughs> Th things I never confuse, Bill Paxton and Bill Pullman. That's different. I always get their fathers mixed up, but I have no problem. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else? Uh, I, I thought Emma Stone just absolutely looked the part. I, I thought that was amazing how close they stuck to it. Oh, you know what we never talked about? What? Uh, Stan Lee's cameo, oh, which yeah. was fantastic. That's, good. That's perfect for spoilers. I like that a lot. His cameo is amazing in this movie. Yeah. It's so much fun, and it's very creative. And, it, and, and the CG behind it was really cool, too. It was. That was the part where I was like, this is real. That's, that's part of why I really like the school action sequence. I think there's a lot of different stuff that you haven't seen before in in, in a Spider-Man movie of him like crawling on the ceilings, crawling over the walls, going through him changing mid-fights like into Spider-Man. It's just like using the webs to capture his villain all up in a web and everything. There's just yeah. a lot of really cool stuff. And yeah, then you have a whole like silent, like a whole, you know, juxtaposed, juxtaposed. <laughs> juxtaposed? You have this whole juxtaposition of Spider-Man and the lizard fighting in the background while like Stanley's blasting music in his earphones and like not <laughs> noticing books away. And I'm, like, yeah. and it's cool in the 3D because like the table flies at him and then uh. Spider-Man pulls it away at the last second. It was like that's a really cool shot. And it's like a oneer. It's a one take scene too. It's like it, that's just really well done. Sure, it is one take. <laughs> uh, so, what's your opinion? Does Aunt May know by the end? I say she does. You know, that's weird. I. I don't know, but at the same time, I we didn't talk about this in the in the regular uh, thing. But I also didn't like the relationship between Peter Parker and Emmy. I didn't think it was actually really there a lot, and um, I, I I think that it's probably going to come around in subsequent features. But just as a starting point, it really didn't seem. I don't know, like she, she kind of. It just seems like he's a Peter Parker is such a jerk. Um, I would agree that she's not as much of a present in this film just because it's more about Ben Parker in this one even yeah. though I mean you only get so much time with him and yeah. there's other things going on in this Spider-Man movie that you can't reflect too much on the Aunt May Peter Parker relationship uh -huh. but I do think their scenes work I think the scene like when Peter Parker gets home like that first and one of those all, first nights and he's all beat up yeah. and, he, and Aunt May's worried sick about him and he says just go to sleep Aunt May he's yeah. like it's really affecting I think yeah. it's a really I, I think these actors are good enough in these roles where you don't need to have 
too much fleshed out in this relationship right away where you can save some of that for the next couple movies. But I don't think she knows. Really? I would say yeah. I would say that she doesn't want to believe it. Huh. Okay, well, I, I could get behind that, but I thought it was fairly clear when she was watching that news footage that she was picking up on it. I have to watch it a second time. And, and to be honest, the fact that, you know, I say she does, you say she doesn't, and Aaron's kind of in the middle, that does reflect in many ways the comic, where for years and years and years, and it's gone back and forth, but there was always the, she probably knows, but Peter still won't tell her for sure. I see. So, I mean, it, that that works for me. And I, I was kind of with you. I didn't feel the relationship for most of the movie, but I thought by the end, I thought they had kind of brought it back around. Yeah, that egg part was, egg was part pretty works. nice. I yeah, and I was like, I, I completely forgot about it. And then when it when he brought out the eggs, it just, you know, it hinted. Plus his little, his like, his messed up smile that he has for her. It's <laughs> yeah, really yeah. nice, you know? I mean, I was waiting for all the eggs to be broken when he pulled them out of his backpack. <laughs> that's my, I mean, so that's my main takeaway from this movie compared to the other movies and like origin movies in general is that there's, there's kind of a subtlety to the emotion, but I think it works well enough. That's what makes this movie stand out. That's like the key factor that makes this movie stand out to me, where I like the interactions with Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone and the interactions mm -hmm. between, like even like the early scenes with just Ben and May. And like, you see that relationship where you don't see like, Oh, we've been married a long time. Like they're not overemphasizing that fact. They're you just don't like my meatloaf. Like you just, you just get their relationship based on the few lines of dialogue that they have together. And I think yeah. it's a credit to the actors that were chosen, how strong they are together and just their, general chemistry and i think that's what makes it work it's not like necessarily an overly emotional film but a film that has that emotion going on did you guys prefer mechanical web shooters or I, did you like the organic i stuff? prefer mechanical web I'm, I'm all about the mechanicals but i, I kind of didn't see him change any cartridges which is kind of a bummer um but at the same time it's like you know john woo style it never runs out well and well you know what was cool though was when the lizard took out his way that's right yeah and he didn't have them to use yeah that was a cool little twister and i loved how there was kind of exploding on his wrist in a way and it was cool they gave it an explanation for where they come from because in the comics he makes them and they're sticky because of rubber cement which is stupid yeah and which and i mean that's so the old. stuff you used that's, to put that's so old-fashioned like stanley you're writing stuff but like yeah i yeah i did i yeah i like the mechanical web shoes and how they function in this movie and i like I, I mean, I like. I mean, I always like um, origin stories where you have the character like learning his powers, and I think this movie did a good job at that. Of, I think that one was different. I, I'd have to disagree there because he gets bitten, and then on the subway ride home, he's just Spider-Man. Yeah, you know? doesn't take that whole night. I know, but I, I kind of liked. I liked how it it took some time to incubate in his body in the Raimi series, and so it was like a nap. And it then... is the fast acting to acting version of Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> Guaranteed to work. Guaranteed to work under, under six hours. Like he's, he just becomes super. Like I like I like the clumsiness of him. Like on the subway, like yeah. doing knocking people out and ripping shirts. Ripping shirts off. Classic right. Spider-Man. Just always sharking people. Like, <laughs> sharking people. And. Uh, I, I like, and then I liked you know him in the bathroom with his super strength. Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah, get, yeah. It reminded me of like John Carter, where he's learning how to jump on Mars. Like, I like that com those on, comedy on bits. Yeah. yeah, and then how he's just like uh, catatonic in his bed because he doesn't want to touch anything after he breaks all yeah. the faucets and the doorknobs. And like stuff. I think there's some good like comedic moments, like cause especially because this movie was touted as being you know here we go dark and gritty. Like it's more, it's yeah. the, it, it, ha it it does a good balance similar to like Raimi's films. And if you really want to go into how dark this movie is versus the first Spider Man, only two people die in this movie. Over ten people die in the yeah. first Spider Man. Movie. I mean like yeah, there's a lot of pumpkin explosions <laughs> in that movie. Of uh, but you know I I don't really think of it as like a darker Spider. -Man. I just think that it's darker 
literally in terms of the night shot. They have there's a lot more night shots. There's a lot more everything else. But yeah, you're right. I mean, dude, Willem Dafoe gets gored <laughs> in the <this laughs> first movie, and there's blood on those on those uh, those uh, whatever he is on his his wing cruiser. There's you know, Goblin Glider. Yeah, Goblin Glider. glider. Yeah, it, it, it's pretty violent. And like Peter Parker gets the kicked out of him you know like you can see the blood coming out when the, yeah he, when they, he gets a beating handed to him at the end yeah of the and it's like band. you know but they, although that does happen here too yeah, he, when he like, you know patch him up in terms of seeing him come back from like a night away as spider-man you see him yeah. he's bruised and battered and and like it has that scene where he's like go to sleep at me like it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. it reflects he's trying to it reflects that he is getting into he's getting into some scrapes here like it's not kid stuff that he's messing around with yeah yeah, I, w- I would say this one's more realistic as opposed to Dark and Green. Yeah, 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 for sure. I saw a lot of reviews, and I wanted to get your guys' opinion on this, that complained about him being a skateboarder and saying that him riding a skateboard make- takes away the him being a nerd and turns him into, and this is a quote I've seen a lot, rad skateboarder kid. Now, <laughs> for me, yeah, there's two ways you can go with this. One, the filmmakers view skateboarding as something that's cool and rebellious in X Games. Or the opinion I more took, which is skateboarding isn't cool anymore. I mean, if Tobey Maguire had been skateboarding in 2002, yeah, okay, that would be cool skateboarding kid X Games. But in 2012, him riding a skateboard is the equivalent of him riding a bike. It's not it's not something that's cool. It's just something that exists now. I agree with, yeah, that. I agree with that. And I would also add, if Peter Park, if Tobey Maguire as Peter Parker was skateboarding, that would make him even more nerdy, just based <laughs> on how... <laughs> That's true, because I couldn't even see him standing. It's like modern-day skateboards. It's like Ninja Turtle style, where like, it waves. It's like a fish pattern. Yeah. <laughs> and this was a really crappy skateboard, too. Yeah, bro. <laughs> bro. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, yeah, I completely agree with what you just said. I, 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 I had no problem with him being a person that rides a skateboard. It didn't seem like it was anything like edgy. It just felt like, yeah, he's a teenager in high school. He's a skateboard. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. It's just... It's just kind of normal now i mean especially given what we know about how andrew garfield plays his character where he is a bright student but he's also he's you know he's late to class and you know he has a bit of an attitude at times like he he fits the realm of being kind of a a social outcast misfit geeky teenager like he has all of these things go into this one character he feels very real yeah yeah which i which i definitely appreciate but yeah just the whole idea of skateboarding being cool made me think like i don't think it is anymore it's not like he has a freaking slingshot in his back those paper rounds like bugs meanie from uh from Encyclopedia Brown. he's not trying to jump the new york gorge like <laughs> <laughs> now granted there are some cool skateboarding tricks once he gets his powers but there's nothing even close to that before yeah exactly yeah. If, he, if he was skateboarding like in the sewers as spider-man then i'd have a problem with it <laughs> <laughs> Something that reminded me of Bart Simpson a lot was um, when he's when he's fighting the lizard in that in the sewers and he's created that giant web. He's got his camera going and it flashes, and then the lizard finds it. So like property of Peter Parker. It reminded me of the Simpsons episode where Bart puts the uh, the thing down the well. <laughs> it's like property of Bart Simpson, so he has to go and retrieve it, but he ends up falling in the well instead. Oh gosh, sending our love down the well. Yeah, <laughs> that was a cool camera too. Yeah, it was. It's like classic. I was, I was upset when Flash broke it. I was like, damn it. I was annoyed at bully scenes just because bully scenes always frustrate me, like, no matter how, like, real or whatever they are. But I'm always yeah. like, what? What is he doing? Like, why would you need to kick his camera? What does that accomplish? Like, I was at least happy that Peter stood up to him because that's something. <laughs> yeah, see, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, like that. Forcing him to eat pizza upside down. Like, don't eat it. Yeah, don't eat it, man. <laughs> Watch your back. 
no one likes upside down pizza. <laughs> Crust first. That's crazy. I would, and I was happy that I guess I guess Gwen Stacy's not like Flash Thompson's boyfriend because at first I thought that at, she would be really weird as Flash Thompson's boyfriend. It would, yeah. And at first it seemed like that's what they were trying to go for. But right. I was like, oh no, she's just like tutoring him or whatever. Okay, yeah. So that's that did, but yeah. Yeah, and she, I mean, she's smart in this movie. She, I mean, she has an internship at uh, Oscorp. She's top of her class. She talks down Flash. She's a very strong female yeah, character. So many things about about Gwen Stacy made me happy in the direction they chose with her, where she's not like Goo Goo Gaga over Spider Man, and she's not like right. the damsel in distress at the end right. of the movie. And she, you know, she's she's not the the boyfriend to the jock bully. Like all of these things are completely different from like how you. You see that a lot in other like movies that have this token female character love interest for the main character. Even in the first Spider-Man that, trilogy, she's very much the anti-Mary Jane. Yeah, there's a funny bit that Aaron says like apparently Peter Parker slash Tobey Maguire is the only person that sees this abuse going on right next door <laughs> and does nothing about it for the longest time. Yeah, but Gwen Stacy, she's like a good, she's a good kid. She has a nice family. Like yeah. she has a father that cares about her. Like. She, by the way, other brothers. Her other, the, the scene where Dennis Leary is getting like hot cocoa is trying to ask oh, yeah, hot yeah, cocoa. Yeah. Not the comedy parts, but there's one part that like no one else is gonna laugh at. But what it's like, Dennis Leary's like, it's good, and he like kind of like, <laughs> like fucking up this hot cocoa that he wants to give to Gwen Stacy. Now compare in the original Spider-Man movie, you've got the upside down rain kiss. I really liked in this one how they had the web swing to the or the the web to the butt slash spin around in a tango move kiss. I I liked it just because I liked him revealing himself as Spider-Man this early on and them getting together in general this early on. And it's not going to be a series of movies where she doesn't know who Peter Parker is and can she or won't she get with Peter Parker? I like how it just tackled that right away and then, you know, let that relationship play out kind of on the side as opposed to, again, kind of distancing distancing itself from the other Spider-Man films. Right, that's true. It took a different approach to it. And again, if and when she does die, this is going to be yet another nail in her coffin, is him telling her. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's building to an arc that people aren't even going to realize yet. Which, yeah, as a casual viewer, I wouldn't realize that. Or I did not realize that. There's a lot of lizards in New York. Well, there, there, there are. And out during the daytime. <laughs> well, I think... Well, and that's only because they were being, you know, attracted to the lizard, but it still came off as weird. Yeah, that's how I was kind of understanding. What about the lizard rat, Lizard Fred? (laughs) (laughs) I like how he's just, like, sitting there. Imagine Pinky and the Brain, if Brain just went all crazy and just started eating Pinky. Yeah, yeah, Fred eating Wilma was a bit disturbing. (laughs) Okay, so, okay, here's here's another thing that I kind of had an issue with that might have been lost in deleted scenes or something, but if the lizard sprays you with lizard aerosol spray, whatever, like, you should go, cops. Yeah, you should go back to that scene and not just show them slightly turning into lizards and then slightly turning back from lizards. Like there should have been a scene where you see why that's a bad thing. I, I, yeah, or at least show one of them getting away or something into the sewer. There was no reason to show him turning people into lizards if you weren't going to deliver on that aspect of the story. And it might have been deleted, which yeah, could have been. It could. It, it feel, there are. I mean, there. Are, I know you like the movie a lot, a lot, Jordan, and like I like the movie too, but. It does seem there are clear like edits going on where it seems like there's yeah. a lot of stuff taken out of this movie before it came out. There's a le- even a lot of stuff in trailers and scenes they've released earlier. I mean, I went into media blackout about three weeks ago, mm-hmm. but even before that, there's stuff I've seen that wasn't in this movie. Yeah, there's things like Risa Fon saying, "You want to know the real story behind your father, Peter?" Like just stuff like that. Right, right. Again, or or them standing in front of a blackboard with all the the math on it, or the scene with Peter and the doorman. 
Um, so it, it is interesting to me just how much stuff in the promo material wasn't in the final movie. Yeah, which is kind of unfortunate because they did so much marketing for this movie, like way too much. They did for a lot movie. of marketing during the NBA Finals. It was on every commercial break. It's small knives. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So yeah. Okay. Now I think we can let's just wrap it up here. I think we've done enough spoilery talky stuff. And um, depending on where this falls into the podcast, this will either come before or after our mini thoughts on savages. On savages. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see. How, we'll see how that plays out. But uh, Jordan, thanks for being on the show with us today. Hey, no problem. Thank you for having me on. For sure. Anytime. And, yeah. And um, yeah, we'll uh, uh, to do it again. So long. <laughs> and goodbye. <laughs> Face the tiger. You just hit the jackpot. <laughs> partner with we're not gonna join you nothing personal i'm afraid our client would take this very personally they must be taught respect i found their weakness oh my god i'd take the deal instead of decapitation Get your car, girl, and I will do anything, anything to get her back. You stabbed a federal agent! Seven of my men dead? I told you they'd come for me. Stop. Let me remind you that if I had to, I wouldn't have a problem cutting both their throats. Okay, we are back recording some more. Woo-hoo! This is Abe and I, Abe and Aaron. Now, now we're today. We're doing our special uh, Savages mini review because why not? And once again, we are both together in the same area, literally walking and talking as we review West Wing style, baby. <laughs> All right, so we just got out of Savages a little, a little while ago. Oliver Stone's new movie, which uh, stars Taylor Kitsch, Aaron Johnson, Blake Lively, Benicio Del Toro, Selma Hayek, and John Travolta. Oliver Stone movie about two guys. They're really good at growing weed. Blake Lively's really good at juggling their penises. The, uh, <laughs> the Me- Mexican cartel wants a piece of this action. These guys, they kind of say no, and so they kidnap Blake Lively in response, and, you know, mayhem ensues from there. Abe, what did you think of Savages? Uh, I actually had a, a fun time with it. I think that it was it was fun to some extent. One of our guests uh, that we have on the show, Mark Hoban. Yeah, we actually got to meet Mark Hoban in person and see the movie <laughs> with him, and it was, yeah, that was Where cool. were you, Jordan? <laughs> yeah, Jordan. <laughs> yeah, but uh, he said the best. You know, it had, mo- it's ha- it had its moments. Um, I definitely like the characters of Benicio del Toro, and I also really like Selma Hayek as well. I thought that they brought this nice uh, cartel drama to the movie. Um, I liked the movie, especially when it turned into kind of like a revenge story for uh, Tim Riggins and Kick-Ass. I can agree with that. <laughs> yeah, when they're like, you know what, we're going to get you instead. I really liked when they started getting a little bit more, uh, more uh, into the driver's seat, so to speak. So overall, I had a fun time. Um, I could do a lot without like lively narrating everything, um, and like the clue stuff I could do without too. So, but yeah, on the whole, not too bad. Yeah, I um, basically agree with your sentiments. I like basically the older actors more than I like the younger actors in this movie. And yeah, Blake Lively's narration was pretty annoying. Uh, I, I did like seeing like an Oliver Stone movie that was kind of having somewhat more fun lately than he has in a while, um, but. 
at the same time, it is pretty serious and intense throughout a lot of the movie, and I wish it kind of had more of a, not necessarily a goofy tone or a jokey tone, but I just, I think I, I wish it just kind of stone dialed down his stoniness, <laughs> how, how he was going about, you know, having this movie work. It there were some funny moments. There are funny moments. Man. There's some key moments, and I think I wish I, I wish there was kind of more, not necessarily lightheartedness, but more of those moments where I could kind of enjoy the movie on like a snatch sort of level, where like okay. it's it's kind of like certainly there's I mean it's a there is gritty mob things happening, but it's also a fun movie to enjoy. I think Savage yeah. is it didn't quite get there for me. It, kind of, it was just and I think that one of the things that I just also didn't like about it was that there was trying to. Some kind of meaning that Blake Lively was trying to put together at the end there. And for me, I was just thinking to myself, let's not even go there. I mean, I don't think that this is some kind of meta, you know, journey that you went on and you have to make some kind of meaning out of it. It's just more of, yeah. Okay. yeah well, yeah, because it doesn't help that I just don't care about Blake, Lively, Blake, Lively's, Blake, Lively, Blake Lively's character in the movie just because she, she, for being, she's, you know, the girlfriend of both of these guys in this movie. And so for being that character, you really want, a, you want an actress that kind of, you know, she's the hell of Troy for these two people. Right. And I don't get that from Blake Lively. And her narration didn't help. And her, in general, she hasn't done much for me to make me, you know, impressed with her. So You weren't impressed with her in Green Lantern? I, <laughs> <laughs> I was impressed that she was able to discover Ryan Reynolds' cheekbones and understand that he was actually Green Lantern. But, no, not as, like, that. I, I, I admire, like, these guys for they want to get their girl back. Like, that's commendable, I guess. But, yeah, Blake Lively he didn't quite do it for me in that regard. Yeah. Another person that we, we talked about, uh, John Travolta. I actually found him to be... He's, he's, like, goofy charismatic in this movie because he, he says, like, all the wrong things at the wrong times, but then he's uh, he's squirrely in this movie, and I like that about him. And I did, too, and that's what I'm saying. I like the older actors in the movie. I yeah. like Benicio Del Toro a lot. He was quite menacing. Yes. And I like John, John Travolta because he was having kind of fun in the role in the movie. You know, it found... It found what it should be going for with the scenes with those characters and Selma Hayek's character, who I also, I also liked in this movie a lot more than I thought I was, than, uh, than I was expecting yeah. to. I, I found her to be a combination of both menacing but kind of like in on like what the tone of this movie should be. And I liked, I liked those scenes involving those you know those actors and you know scenes like that. And I just I wish I basically saw that movie. That's just more of that stuff, more of the cartel inner goings-ons and so this is almost like as if traffic if uh if what's her face uh, Catherine Catherine Zeta Zeta Jones. yeah if she basically took over her husband's cartel i actually did think of traffic i mean we don't need to go into a whole full-on yeah. movie callback thing but i thought of traffic while watching this movie and i thought of like way of the gun actually yeah i thought, yeah, I thought the about that too yeah. and just movies like that and how they, i mean traffic is obviously a lot more serious but way of the gun that's a movie that handles its tone very well in my opinion yeah. I, I, that's a movie i know many people have not seen but i like that movie a lot and like i was happy with how that movie kind of went about doing it so yeah same here uh, i i was reminded the way of the gun especially right when uh uh taylor kitsch is like this is like butch casting the sundance kid yeah and and i was but, like I mean, okay well and even there like that's an area where i thought i mean it's playing like direct calling. It's calling directly onto like Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. That's like I wish if the movie like as, as resembled that like more. <laughs> like, yeah, that would have been more. That would have been more fun for me. I mean, obviously the girls kidnapped in this movie, so it's you know, right. different. But like, if you want to reference that movie, I wish it would do more with like that kind of thing. And yeah. yeah. So I mean, on the whole, I mean, I found it to be 
fun enough and intriguing enough for general audiences to come in and say, oh, well, what's this all about? But at the same time, yeah, there's some parts where it does take itself quite seriously. Um, and it is pretty intense. I mean, you have, like, people being... Yeah, it's pretty graphic. Yeah, people are pretty graphic and violent. Yeah, people are tortured pretty brutally. Yeah, there's some torture going on. There's some brutality. There's some violent... Actually, some of the action-y stuff was pretty kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. Like, those sequences that involves, like, when they kind of take some of the matters into their own hands. And I like Oliver Stone's direction of this movie. Like, it wasn't, like, super crazy flashy, like something like Natural Born Killers, which uses, like, all kinds of cameras and all kinds of various film types. It's just a really intensely filmed movie this one at the same this one also could have been like something like domino from tony scott which is like or man on fire and, which is him oh, and like, man on fire yeah and there you those go, are man. movies that are like tony scott on overdrive and oliver stone could have done it's like that but i liked i liked what he did with this movie in terms of how he how he kind of played it out with his filming style he he he, he didn't it wasn't like overly stylish but it was there was enough there and like he his use of music was very much very much felt like an Oliver Stone movie. It yeah. kind of had classical music going on. There's certain repeated rhythms and things. I just, I, li- I liked what he did in this. It seemed like he was having fun as a director of a movie that doesn't seem to, you know, it's not World Trade Center. It's not W. It's not <laughs> some of the other heavier. JFK. JFK. It's yeah. not some of the other heavier films he's been doing recently. And so. There's a bus coming by right now. Yeah, there is. We're walking and talking. We're, we were joking yeah. about this. <laughs> This scenario may not be edited out. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see, we'll see how well it sounds. But, uh, yeah, so, I, I mean, there, there are things I liked about the movie for sure. I didn't, like, I certainly didn't outright hate the movie. And, right. I, and like Abe said, yeah, it's, it could have, I, it's fun enough. It could have been a little more fun or a little more enjoyable if it wasn't so brutal. But, uh, I, I, I mean, for being, like, a yeah. movie that comes out in the middle of the summer, it's like, you know, I really quite want to see something that's so intense. But I mean, I didn't so much mind the brutality because it's kind of like, oh, yeah, this is what the cartels do. But, uh, you know, I mean, it, the violence in itself was was something that you, I guess you would expect from a movie like this. Yeah, I would agree with that. So it's it's not like everyone's blast, blasting right away. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, overall, I, liked it. I actually really liked uh, Tim Riggins in this movie, too, T- uh, Taylor Kitsch. He's kind of a more quiet, like, uh, brutish type. Um, and Aaron and I were talking about this. You know, we, we saw Battleship and uh, John Carter, which, you know, we liked his performance in both of those, uh, but you know this is this is kind of him playing a, a more subdued guy, and uh, it fits well because yeah. he can he can pull that off. I agree with that. I, I wasn't I wasn't too much into Aaron Johnson though. Into Kick Ass. Into Kick Ass in this movie. I, I, <laughs> was it because like he was kind of like a, a guy who was going through more transitions? I just think he had more it, story arc. It just didn't. Something? It just didn't feel like. Well, I felt like I mean he he's supposed to be like. Not necessarily a Buddhist, but he's certainly like he, he's more religious. He's, he's more religious. He's more spiritual, right? And also in the way the, the certain lines he had to deliver, it just it didn't. Fe- I didn't feel like he was. I didn't. I didn't feel the power of what he was trying to say in certain scenes of how of him trying to convince people of certain things of him trying to relay certain types of information, given oh, okay. his yeah, age and kind of his uh, his uh, his own standing in his own life, like yeah. how he sees himself. Yes. Yeah. Especially because these guys are supposed to. I mean, I don't. I don't know how how old these guys are supposed, supposed to be. be. Like, maybe it like seems mid like they're supposed to be 20s. mid late twenties. But yeah. like Tim Riggins is, you know, he's supposed to be na- an ex Navy SEAL. Like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't exactly know how, the, how, how old the ages are on on ex Navy SEALs, but he seemed pretty young to be an ex Navy SEAL. And kick ass, he's you know, the guy's a teen. I mean, in real life, he's like a teenager. Yeah, he's like. <laughs> I think he's younger than we are. Yes, he is. So, so it's like I didn't quite feel the authority needed in some what Aaron Johnson was having to say. Yeah. 
Especially like when he has like a, a tense meeting with Benicio del Toro, yeah. and uh, you know, yeah, I, I yeah. See, that. see, there's a scene. That's a perfect scene. The yeah, scene yeah, where he encountered, he has to meet up with Benicio del Toro. Yeah. So okay, so we can let's get to like our rating. I guess you know we have our scale, and this sure. is a mini episode, so I'm not even going to repeat the scale. I'm just going to say, Abe, what would you rate this movie? I'd actually say um, Dollar Theater. You know, it's something that it's it's fun, but you don't have to watch it right away. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Dollar Theater sounds about right to me. And, uh, yeah, so that's our little mini-review of Savages. Cool. Exclusive. Exclusive. Aaron and Abe. <laughs> At night, yeah. <laughs> All right. So long. And goodbye. <laughs>